Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday 3rd. Oh, God knows what happened there. I tell you, we're all sitting here thinking, well, that was exciting. A little bit of in-conversation, a little bit of uh, just about everything chucked in. I don't know, sometimes, you know, computers, they have a bit of a mare of a day. Anyway, welcome to Monday. Uh, it is the 13th of July, and uh, there are more ramblings in the paper from little Karen Danchuk. The, um, the Burkos appear to be getting back together. Lewis Hamilton barred from the Wimbledon Royal Box. I mean, how to be an idiot in the first order. His people said there was a misunderstanding. There was no misunderstanding. He was inappropriately dressed. It's the Royal Box. I mean, far from being the most boring man in the entire world, now he can't even dress for going out somewhere. I mean, shoes with no socks? I ask the question, ladies and gentlemen. Is he some sort of super idiot? All of that and more between now and 6.30 this morning, 8 for 850, steve at lbc.co.uk. We'll all be recording the programme for that first bit today, I should imagine. Superberries coming into the UK, and we've had this a million times before. I've lost track of how many superberries there have been. You take these gojo berries and you make this into a smoothie and you take these and this gives you this and this gives you that and you're all a better person for it. And you think to yourself, um, no. I don't want to take any more superberries. I've decided if I'm going to have anything, then it's not going to be superberries. Much as I do enjoy berries. I do enjoy berries. Yesterday, lovely day. Weather, miserable. Who cares? Us. Because apparently you're expected now to be looking forward to a week of uh, rain lashing Britain and storms and everything else. And it's going to be fantastic. No, it's not. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be awful. But I love it. I love it. I brought the umbrella in. I bought a bag for myself the other day. And as you know, because I tweeted a picture, I went to the lavender farm uh, down in the New Forest. And it was uh, it was wonderful. It was really nice. Miserable day. Not a huge place. Um, we had a cup of tea and a piece of cake. Apricot and lavender cake. I've never had such a thing before. It was delicious. Uh, and it's obviously a place. They've got loads of tables and chairs. But it's small. If you're going to go down there, and they've got a website. I think it's lavenderfarm.com. Or so. I put it up on my, on my Twitter page. And um, really, really, very tiny, but very nice. And they sell plants down there. Good day out. Very good day out. Very nice. And then my brother said... Uh, because um, we didn't actually have lunch, we just had the piece of cake and a cup of tea. He said, um, he said, oh, he said, can, can we pop into Costco? It's a bit of a treat for him to pop into Costco. So he uses my card. I have to go with him, obviously. And um, he said, because I need to get some kitchen roll and a few things. Well, anyway, his idea of a few things turned into £200. Uh, I bought a, a new pillow and what about some some Sif, I think, or Jif or whatever it is, uh, something, and that was it. He he seemed to find loads of things to buy. He got carried away with it, so he spent his two hundred quid. And on the way out, I thought to myself, wait a minute, I've got an executive membership of uh, of Costco. What if I can get an extra card for him? Then it saves him having to worry about it. He's got a, he's got this Costco on his doorstep. So I go to the desk. I said, oh, I said, I've, um, I've got this, my card here. I said, can I get one for my brother as well? And so she said, yes, you you, you have a free free complimentary uh, extra card on there. So I said, oh, great. So literally she took his photograph, put it on the back of the card. It was done. It cost me not a penny piece. He was very happy. So he's now got his own Costco card, which means that any time he wants to nip into Costco, he doesn't need to wait for me to go down or anything like that. He just pops in there and he can buy whatever he wants. Obviously, you know, without going mad. Luckily, they don't take credit cards in there. They only take debit cards. So he was very pleased. So I thought that was my good deed of the day. I drove back, as always, hit traffic. Always hit traffic. I'm sure they do traffic calming coming out of Southampton. I'm pretty certain they do because it's... uh, we all slowed down practically to snail's pace. Then an ambulance went past. And then after about three miles, nothing. It just vanishes. 
into thin air. I was expecting to see a pile-up or something, but I didn't see anything at all. I was almost a bit disappointed, thinking, oh, there's got to be something in this sort of weather. Because people bomb along and you get sort of... People get very, uh, very short, short-tempered, don't they, on the, uh, on the motorway. Uh, Scott says, good start to the, uh, the programme. And Dale says, Gremlins on the Steve Allen show. The computer's having a bit of a mare of a day. I think we have to sort of pat it on the head or something and slip it another shilling or something. Anyway, 84850, steve at uk, And we put all your uh, your texts and emails in this morning on the programme. And we'll bring you the weather. And we'll do the papers. And we'll tell you about poor old Karen Danshuk again. My God, she's unattractive. She really is. I mean, I looked at a picture today. I mean, this woman couldn't be attractive if her life depended on it. But I was more interested in uh, in in uh, motor racing bore Lewis Hamilton. I know everybody else is uh, tweeting about him and talking about him. I mean, the man's a complete idiot. He turns up. So he has a ticket, only the one ticket, bless his heart. He's Billy No Mates. And he doesn't even have little, little Nicole Scherzinger to take. And so he turns up to sit in the royal box in a floral shirt... With a hat and uh, no tie, no socks, and uh, and and so they offered him a tie, but he refused to wear it. And you think, well, I'm sorry, silly boy. You know, nobody cares who you are. You're just Lewis Hamilton. You're that one who dresses badly. And in this case, you dressed so appallingly and so disrespectfully that I couldn't quite believe that you know you're British. I mean, you're sitting in the royal box. Have you seen pictures this week? Can you read? Have you seen pictures in the newspaper of what people wear to sit in the royal box? They wear ties. And nobody, as far as I know, I've not seen any, I might be wrong, nobody sits there wearing a hat. You know, and they offered him a tie to wear and he went, no, thank you. And he says nothing would go with this shirt. Admittedly, it is quite vile. But there again, you know, perhaps you'll wear that if you're sort of going out to one of your little sort of strange do's, Lewis, but not for the royal box. I mean, everybody there is wearing a jacket and tie. That's what you wear. If you're so much of an idiot, I love the way that his sort of um, uh, people, a spokesman for the... Uh, for Hamilton, Lewis, confirmed he'd been wearing the wrong clothes. She said, due to an unfortunate misunderstanding regarding the dress code. There is no misunderstanding, bozo. There is no misunderstanding. The dress code is quite simple. It's quite plain. It's been in operation for the past God knows how many years. It's shirt and tie for men. There's no misunderstanding, unless he's even thicker than we think he is. A witness says, I felt a little bit sorry for him. Anyway, he, he was going to be sitting next to Benedict Cumberbatch, so instead there was an empty chair there because Bozo Lewis failed to understand the dress code. Poor little so-and-so. So off he went. Go, go, go away, go away, go away. Go and find something that's more your mark, mate. And quite clearly sitting in the Royal Box at Wimbledon is not your mark. I love the way that every time the, uh, the Sun print a picture of a uh, very plain Essex girl, Sam Fahir's, uh, who was during a break in Cannes. She spends most of her life being on a break, and so she's with a photographer. Uh, and foot... Oh, wait a minute, that's the blue of my shower curtains. Those varicose veins she's got. And um, I'm sort of looking at a picture of her. An onlooker said she looked incredible. Cannes is a glamorous place full of beautiful people. No, it's not. No, it's not. Don't be so stupid. It's only full of beautiful people when you actually get to, uh, to the film festival. The rest of the time, it's full of old mutton like that. They say uh, it's full of beautiful people and she was all smiles when snapped. Of course she was, because she'd taken her photographer there. 
Honestly, it's full of beautiful people. It's not, I was in Cannes only a short while ago. It's not full of beautiful, it's just full of ordinary people. The film festival take over, and believe you me, they wouldn't have anything that looked like Sam for here's there. She's way too ropey. She looks like she'd probably be starring in a third-rate porno movie, judging by this look here. Dreadful look. Hair bad, really bad. Uh, no makeup, bad glasses, bikini, awful, really awful. And um, and as I say, she's on holiday yet again. She doesn't actually do anything, does she, really? She just sort of prances around like a bit of a ninny. Uh, what else did we have? Oh, we had the abseiling granny. I quite like the abseiling granny story. I thought she was, uh, she was fairly good. She's, this is the second time. She's done it at um, aged 100 and uh, now aged 101. And I thought, that's a good idea, isn't it? I mean, it's great. I mean, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it at all. I mean, I, I, I really could Nothing. Even looking at the height. And she said she, uh, she loved every minute of it. She's raised more than 11,000 quid. And uh, she's hoping to repeat the challenge next year. I think she's doing it tongue-in-cheek, just in case she doesn't make it to next year. But, I mean, she's 101, for goodness sake. She said she felt no fear. She's a great, great gran. And so she did it May last year. Um, she first abseiled at the age of 85. So, I mean, she's like a past mistress. Excuse me. And she, uh, she obviously loves doing it. I mean, really loves... Whereas I couldn't. I'm afraid I would be one of those ones who bottled it. I'd have to get to the top and look down and go, I, can't, I couldn't do it, seriously. I'm always too worried that, that these ropes are going to break. I know that they don't. They can practically hold, you know, a ten-ton elephant. But you just get a bit panic-stricken, thinking that maybe, you know, you're not, you're not going to sort of make it down there and it's going to snap. In which case, would you be saying your prayers... <laughs> isn't the dress code printed on the ticket, Steve? Well, um, I'm assuming that with the ticket for the Royal Box must have come a letter. Normal, I mean, does it not say on most tickets for things, and I don't know what, the, uh, what, what this, this ticket says, but there would be a letter. They wouldn't just stick a ticket in the post. It would come with a letter saying, you know, congratulations, we look forward to welcoming you to the Royal Box. There'll be canapes afterwards and drinks, blah, blah, blah. And uh, dress code is shirt and tie for men shirt, tie and jacket, because it's the royal box, you know, so he turns up in a flowery, very gay shirt with a, with a hat on as well. I mean, really ridiculous. I mean, and, and loafers with no socks in the royal box. What an ignoramus. What a stupid man. <laughs> and somebody else has said, Lewis Hamilton, one of the most boring celebs in the country. This is Anne in Belfast. Do you know, somebody said, and I read a tweet, it might have been an old one, saying that he ruined Graham Norton's show because he was so dull. He really is a bore. I mean, he's seriously, you know, it's, I mean, all right, so he, he drives fast race, racing cars. That doesn't mean to say you have to have a personality. And in his case, it's true. He doesn't have a personality. He is ultimately boring. He's tedious. I mean, he's just, he sort of sits there and sort of grins inanely like he doesn't understand the question. Dreadful. And uh, I hope he was uh, manhandled out of Wimbledon, says Anne, and tossed into the gutter. My guinea pig's got better dress sense. Well, I think that's pushing it a little bit too far. I don't believe your guinea pig dresses up in floral shirts that look like that. But, I mean, either way, he's sitting in the royal box. What did he think? What are you going to turn up to? I mean, next, perhaps it'll be an audience with the Queen. He'll just turn up in sort of jeans and T-shirt or something like that. I mean, really, what an idiot. What a complete idiot. Anyway, it's got him on the front page for all the wrong reasons. All the wrong reasons. Uh, 8 for 850... Steve at LBC. Uh, somebody says, uh, Lewis Hamilton, oh, he sent this, luckily not to me, to, uh, to Darren Adam. He said he's not boring, he does a very dangerous job. No, he doesn't. What, what dangerous job would that be? Oh, right. 
Oh, right. Oh, he, what, because he, he drives racing cars? Oh, riveting. Riveting. That's a really dangerous job, isn't it, according to you? He says, Wimbledon needs to move with the times. I've seen worse in the Royal Box. No, you haven't. You've seen nothing as bad as him. My God, I'm looking at a picture of you. You need to get some help immediately, don't you? Dear God. And then somebody else says, I'm listening to Steve Allen on LBC. Apparently, obviously, um, Lewis Hamilton's got more money than uh, than me. Riveting. It's amazing. Honestly, I'll tell you, you're staggeringly bright this morning, aren't you? We found two thickos. We've only been on air for 14 minutes. And already we found two stupid... Does Matron know you're out? Do they know that you're allowed to write by your... Se- Go and get some help. Oh, dear me, honestly. He's got more money. Isn't it funny how people sort of think that if you have more money, it makes you more intelligent? I can't work that out at all. Although, judging by these two tweeters here, I have got more money than you, and I am more intelligent than you. So there you go. I've proved my own point. Uh, other stories which are in the paper today, which are going to be running about, the um, these sugar drinks, which are everywhere, and people are saying they're really bad for kids. And, uh, but that's what kids had. When they were younger, we had, we had sugary drinks. And I think it's the fizzy drinks, isn't it, which are the ones which are really bad. Sweets are bad and fizzy drinks are bad. I think, I think orange, is orange juice OK? I don't know now. What, what's, I mean, I can't drink it, but I just wonder whether or not, you know, that would be better than a fizzy drink. A fizzy drink. Or apple juice. Apple juice I quite like, but again, all this stuff is not good for you. If it's got sugar in it, it's going to rot your teeth. And so, consequently, the UK kids have got the worst teeth ever. There are more teeth being taken. 26,000 kids a year, between the ages of five and nine, have had extractions under general anaesthetic. Between five and nine. And that is purely down to fizzy drinks. It's the sugar. And how many? T- what, what do you want on, a, on a, you know, a really hot day? If somebody's selling by the side of the road and they look ice cold and they're chilled, a can of Pepsi or Coke or Ribena or whatever it happens to be, you're going to go, oh, God, I can't wait for that. That's what you really want. Whereas, in fact, what you should be having, I know it's boring and I know it's dull, is water. That's what you should be having, the fizzy drink, but you crave it. I know there was one woman, she was in the papers, and all she drank was Diet Coke. And I think she drank something like, and I know it seems excessive, I'm sure it was well in excess of 10, 15 litres of Diet Coke a day. I mean, that is like serious addiction, serious. I mean, luckily, I don't drink it, because I always think it's only good with the vodka in it, you know, and you can't really drink a vodka at this time of the morning. I mean, you could try, actually, the programme wouldn't be any better, just be a little bit more incoherent. It'd probably sound like the beginning of the programme, only running all the way through. We'd all be sort of, it'd just be absolutely dreadful. But uh, never mind, at least we get there. I wonder what it'd be like to do a programme if you'd had a few sherbets. We did have a, a presenter on LBC many, many years ago. I won't tell you who he was, but he, he was an alcoholic. And in fact, he, he only did his show with uh, six double vodkas inside him. He would he would go to the pub and he would have six double vodkas. And I can remember him uh, coming back and I thought... And in fact, he, he, um, he, he was so drunk on this particular programme that it was, it was a sex advice programme. And this woman came on and started explaining her problem and he started laughing. I have to be honest, I thought it was fairly funny as well. And he was laughing all the way through and he also made a faux pas with a celebrity, which I can't tell you about because it would identify the presenter. But he couldn't go on air unless he'd had these six double vodkas. And the funny thing was, he generally functioned really well on it. I had an alcoholic producer once and he was better drunk than he was sober. 16 minutes past four. This is LBC... He's out again. Yes, the infamous Mexican drug baron 
Joaquin Guzman, he out, he out again. He nicknamed El Chapo, El Chapo. He escaped from prison. He do it under noses of prison officer. He get out really simple. They dig a one mile tunnel, lit a one mile tunnel underground, and little man he crawl through tunnel and he escape. He get out other side. He laugh at police. He laugh ha ha ha. Because he's worth a billion, and he's able to bribe people, and so he get out. This is not the first time. Little、uh, what's his face has managed to get out. This is his second time. He walks through a well lit one mile tunnel under a prison. They are so these prison officers. They so easy to get. You just give them few pesos. They let me out, because otherwise we kill their family. And so he gets out again. They, they will catch him, and old Shorty'll go back inside again. It's hilarious. I mean, it's like a, it's like a movie plot, isn't it? He must be the greatest con artist ever. Apparently, he was seen in the morning having a shower, and that was the last time they saw him. And they're all wondering, Wait, anybody seen the little one? Where he is he in prison today? Where where he go? Maybe he fall down plug hole. I don't know. He dig tunnel. He dig tunnel and go long away from prison. Get out! So huge round of applause. He's worth a billion. I mean, he's going to die in prison when they eventually get him back again. Can you imagine how long it took to dig a tunnel that is a mile long, and that's lit with electric lighting? I mean, I mean, is it a prison or is it a holiday camp? I don't know. So the staff are now quizzed, and they've arrested eighteen people who worked there because they've all, you know, they've all kind of contributed to it. Hilarious, isn't it? I love it. I love stuff like that. We had two people a short while ago, didn't we? Who escaped from prison? I think in New York. Wish they put Karen Danielshook in prison. I tell you, I'd quite like to see her staying there for the rest of her life. There's a picture of the ugly one in the papers today. I mean, when I say ugly, I mean it in the very most sincerest way possible. She ain't no looker. Never was a looker. Never could be. I mean, I'm looking at her in a pair of jeans here. I mean, seriously, love. I mean, I know that wide hips are in, and God knows yours are good. But you know, really, something this bit—it's not attractive. And now she's picked on some bloke who's an ex-pal after the honey trap plot on the hubby was exposed, and the whole thing has turned into just some giant game between the ridiculous Simon, the even more ridiculous Karen. You know, because now they're both saying we had a fantastic sex life. Who cares? Seriously, I mean, I, I don't want to know about things like that. I don't care. Steve Bennett, the former work pal of Karen, says, "I don't want to go to the police, as I don't want any more hassle." And、uh, and she sent a tweet. Apparently,、uh, she's branded him scum and warned him not to be seen in the hometown of Rochdale. I mean, to be honest with you, most of you would probably, if you lived in Rochdale, you'd have moved by now. Going, listen, Rochdale's had enough embarrassment heaped upon it without ugly-chested woman Karen Danshuk and her ridiculous clothing. I mean, seriously, darling, if you really think this is what people who are attractive are wearing, you need to. Well, please don't come down to London. Stay well away. We don't want you in London at all. I mean, the whole thing just degenerates into a slanging match between these people. You know, nobody seems to like anybody. Everybody absolutely hates everybody else, and all they're doing is trying to take away the glory from Sally the Burke. And apparently, Midget Boy John has decided to take her back. He's taking her back again. I wonder why. 
I mean, I suppose, really, at the end of the day, you know, she's cheated. She's an embarrassment all round. She's a drunk. She's a bit of an old lush. We've seen lots of pictures of her. I mean, I knew it was going to go pear-shaped when she started draping herself in sheets. I tried that look this morning, actually. I sort of draped myself in a sheet. Well, actually, it wasn't. It was a duvet cover. And I didn't look at all attractive. So if I didn't look attractive and I stand a better chance than she does, you know, she definitely doesn't stand a chance of doing it. But apparently he's given her a second chance and uh, they're going to make a go of it. Oh, God, how boring. The dullards of this world. Jenny says, could I just point out, Steve, that Lewis Hamilton isn't a celebrity. He's a Formula One world champion. Right. Yes, you see, the, we do. Perhaps he needs a copy of my book. Did I mention I've got a book? I've got a book, so you want to be a celebrity. And actually, it's very apropos for Lewis Hamilton, because he's, he's not a celebrity. It's been thrust upon him. What he is, he's well known within the media because he's a Formula One world champion. He's not a celebrity. A celebrity is some bimbo who goes to Cannes and parades up and down on the beach hoping somebody's going to take a photograph. That, that would be a celebrity nowadays, but they last only a little tiny bit. You know, they, they, they don't last very long, these people. They're sort of here today, gone tomorrow. As they said, you know, today's reading, tomorrow, fish and chip paper. In the happy days when we used to get fish and chips in paper. Somebody says, I think you're jealous of Lewis Hamilton because you couldn't pull Nicole Scherzinger. Oh, God, anybody could pull Nicole Scherzinger. She's not difficult. Come on, I love the way... What, you think she's, you know, she's really difficult because she advertises yoghurt? Dear God in heaven, if she went back to America, she'd be unemployed within five seconds. It's only because we go, oh, Nicole Scherzinger. And there she is, and she sits there, and she tosses her hair backwards and forwards. You think, Put it this way, what in God's name do you think her and Lewis Hamilton spoke about? He's the most boring man in the world, and she's dull as well. What can you, what can you do? Two dull people together. There's the Burkos. There's the Danshooks. They're all there, aren't they? They're all there. Uh, Steve, I've also noticed that most Formula One drivers appear to be dull and seem to lack personality. Yeah, but they're not supposed to have personality, are they? That's like expecting footballers to have personality. They don't have person. They're just people who kick bits of leather. They're not personalities. You've only got to look at that poor, that poor old soul who advertises crisps. I mean, that's his claim to fame. That's what he's known for now. Juggy is is known for advertising crisps. He's not known for anything else. Gaza, a sad old drunk. You know, half these football. I mean, the, the road to fame is littered with footballers, ex-footballers, footballers who've fallen on hard times, footballers sleeping in the park, footballers who indulge in disgraceful practices on the internet with their phones, footballers who get involved in porno. And when we all remember, don't we? I mean, even how you, Christine Bleakley's little man, he's been involved in a little little contretemps in a hotel room, which was filmed and put on the internet. I mean, dear God, it's all over the place now. I just thank the Lord that I'm dull and boring and on the radio. I mean, you know, anything. nobody's ever asked me to pose naked. Lord, we expect they ever will, but never mind. Uh, then there was the other odd story. Now, here is the odd story of the week. It was, it was from last week, really. And this was a story that Michael Barrymore is going to sue the police for damages over the fact he was never charged with anything that went on in his house, in the pool, on that night. He's been interviewed... No, no charges were ever brought. He's never been charged, nothing at all. So because effectively his career finished overnight, uh, his contract was cancelled. He became basically television poison. Nobody was going to put him on there because somebody had died in his swimming pool. That person was Stuart Lubbock. Stuart Lubbock was the uh, was the cokehead. Who, well, he was a cokehead on that night. Whether he'd taken drugs beforehand, I have no idea and I couldn't care less. He meets Michael Barrymore in a pub. Michael Barrymore says, why don't you come back to my place, having a bit of a party. They go back there, quite clearly drugs are around. They must be. 
Uh, again, no charges were ever brought, but I'm not stupid enough to think that there were never drugs around. There is always drugs around at parties. I've been to parties where there have been drugs. Thankfully, I'm not addictive, so I don't do anything like that. I'm a little bit of a goody two-shoes. I'd rather sit in the corner with a, with a chicken volivant than actually be sort of snorting cocaine off a toilet seat. Thank you very much indeed. So anyway, whatever happens, at one end of the house is Michael Barrymore. In, uh, in his room, and at the other end of this uh, house is the swimming pool. And it was there that Stuart Lubbock was found face down. They originally thought that he'd just drowned when they did the autopsy. They discovered that he'd had uh, internal injuries which would have been uh, conducive to a sexual assault. What happened, nobody has any idea, because nobody apparently can remember anything. Although, to be honest with you, if you're off your face, you probably wouldn't remember anything at all. But it's always been one of life's great mysteries, that nobody knows there were about half a dozen people there, nobody knows what happened to Stuart Lubbock. So his father, quite rightly, uh, gets gets upset about it. My son died. Once we'd had the autopsy, we discovered what had happened to him. I want somebody to be charged with it. He wants some sort of closure. Problem is... There is no closure to be had on this one. This is, And so everywhere that Michael Barrymore went, Stuart Lubbock's father was not far behind, standing outside theatres, saying this... Ma- I mean, to be honest with you, I'm surprised that Barrymore never sued Stuart Lubbock's father for defamation, because the police have never charged him. So technically, there is no charge. It's an unexplained death. He was found in a swimming pool. Regardless of what the injuries were, it's unexplained. They don't know how he got these injuries. So Michael Barrymore announces he's going to sue the police. And then, lo and behold, today, uh, Terry Lubbock is now consulting lawyers in the hope of bringing a civil action against the star. Wait for it. He wants to seek damages, claiming that Michael Barrymore neglected his son by failing to protect him. How on earth do you expect to look after Stuart Lubbock? Stuart Lubbock goes there. I mean, he was 31, Stuart Lubbock, and you have to look after him. So, in other words, if somebody comes to your house and something happens to you, you could be taken to court technically. I mean, whether this one gets any further than a newspaper, I don't know. And then you sue somebody because they fail to look after your son. He's 31. Why would you have to look? Was there something the matter with him? Was he a bit susceptible to things? Was he remedial? I don't know. Why would you be suing somebody for failing to look after your son? I should imagine Michael Barrymore, and I don't know any more than Stuart Lubbock's father does. I've got no idea what happened that night. I don't know. I wasn't there. And so, you know, if I had been, I might have been able to sort of shed light on it. But I know no more than anybody else, including Stuart Lubbock's dad, who's still waiting for closure. But unfortunately, I fear it is never going to come. It's 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Monday, the 13th of July. Alex reckons the people who defend Lewis Hamilton are those people who wear Primark from top to bottom. Is it possible to wear all Primark? Do they do vest and pants? Can you buy everything in Primark? They do, right. I don't know anybody who... Dra- I did go into Primark once, I have to say, Alex. I did wander in it. Oh, God, what a frightening experience. Seriously, I've never been surrounded by so many chavy people, you know, in close proximity to my lithe frame. And uh, to be honest with you, I found it really... And a friend of mine's going, look, you can get ten pairs of socks for a penny or something, whatever it was, it was something stupid. And I went, yeah, but they're Primark. He goes, but you can buy a whole outfit for a tenner. I said, it's Primark. And he goes, yeah, but look at all these attractive girls in it. Well, I looked around. I didn't see anybody attractive in there at all. I just saw a lot of people who had these sort of, like, basket-type things, which obviously collapse, and you put all your crappy clothing in there, and then you take it to the checkout, and they go, that'll be three and sixpence, please. And you, you pay for it, and then you've got your outfits for a whole year. And it's obviously, it's obviously what people want. 
I can't knock it because it's hugely successful because people want cheap, disposable, throwaway clothing. How many times, ladies and gentlemen, do you go through your wardrobe in the morning and you go, can't wear that, definitely can't fit into those, that's out. And you put a shirt on. I mean, sometimes I have put a shirt on and I'm like most people, I have thin days and I have fat days. Mainly I have fat days. And, and, I, and I put a shirt on and I look in the mirror and I think, oh, God, it's just not happening, is it? It's not happening. I did, I did go on to... Um, Tommy Bahama's website the other day and I bought some more Hawaiian shirts. They're getting more expensive, so I'm terribly sorry, but uh, they're going to be couriered into the country again, same as last time. So we're going to go through that charade, but you know we enjoy things like that. So I've bought three of these shirts. They're not cheap. They're not cheap, but they do last. I mean, I'm still wearing shirts from, from seven years ago. Seriously. Seven years ago. And they, I think they look as good today as they did seven years ago. So I think they're an investment, you know, whereas I think if you buy from Primark, you wear something. If after three or four times it loses, you throw it away. So then you buy something else. Whereas I bought something and I've invested in it. I mean, I, I think these shirts are quite expensive, what they are. They're about £95. But as I say, the one I'm wearing today is a seven-year-old shirt. I don't think you'd know it. Was, I'm not going to allow you to all come in and touch or anything like that. It's not a trip to Lourdes. But it's, I think it wears really well. And that, I think, is cost effective. Uh, another one here that says, uh, My daughter does not allow Steve, my three-year-old grandson, to have sweets or fizzy drinks. His last dental checkup was nothing but praise for his well-cared-for teeth. Parents have to take responsibility, says Amanda in Greenwich. You're absolutely right. And Mags in Glasgow, together with a lot of people, a dangerous job is a firefighter, not a racing driver. Murray says Lewis Hamilton is just a petulant, childish bore. Watch him sulk when he doesn't come first. Oh, he's, but he, it's just he's boring. I mean, he really is dull, dreadful. So uh, a lot of people agreeing that he is. And nobody's actually said he's any good at all, apart from somebody saying, oh, he's in a dangerous job, which was somewhat ridiculous. Uh, eight for eight five oh. Eric says, I've just ordered Steve's book. I didn't realise it was available via the US arm of Amazon. Only seven dollars, about four and a half quid. Very good value. Very. It's the only book I've ever done. So you should enjoy it. You should enjoy it. It's called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. I've never mentioned it on the programme at all. <laughs> and, uh, and Lynn says, a couple of years ago, you told a story about Pete Murray leaving the studio too early. My husband was driving at the time and lost the signal under a tunnel on the M25. The story was we were in Gough Square and uh, I'd been out to get a sandwich. And as I walked up the alley back into Gough Square to go back to the studio, Pete Murray was was walking towards me with his jacket on. He was the only man who walked out with his LBC jacket on, with his name embroidered on the front. It's Pete Murray. And as he walked past, he went, see you, Steve, see you. I think he either said, see me tomorrow or see me after the weekend. And I said, Pete, I said, you're still on air. And he went, oh, and then he said a rude word. He turned around and came back into the building. It was an hour early for leaving the programme. <laughs> we, we always laughed, actually, on that one. And then somebody says here, I find it difficult to listen to you for more than five minutes. You lying old bag. You're still listening, aren't you? Because you've got no friends. That's why you're listening. You haven't got anybody. I'm the only person. The only person who's ever going to respond to you next to probably Samaritans. And it says here, you need to take a look at yourself. There has to be something very wrong in your life because of problems. Well, I've, I've tried to... I've, seriously, I've taken it to heart. And I racked my brains and I thought, wait a minute, I've given, given to charity, been nice to old ladies, I've been, I've been good to Marks and Spencer, I shop in there, I've been good to the Prosecco industry. I can't think what it is that I'm missing in my life or any problem. I pay my tax on time, I pay my VAT on time, uh, I drive a really supercar, I've, um, I've got lots of nice clothes, I've got a nice circle of friends. I can't think what the problem would be. 
I don't, perhaps if, if you're better educated than me, and I, and I suspect you might not be, judging by your spelling, but I'm only guessing, you know, perhaps you could tell me what, what you think the problem is. Because, you know, we have the biggest rated audience at this time of the morning, bar nothing. I mean, seriously, and that's why you're listening to it, because you've obviously tried a few other things and you can't sort of get your rocks off on anything there. So you've had to come back to this because this is this is what floats your boat, isn't it? And no matter how much you plead, I'm not going to be your friend. OK, just I tell you that now. OK, just in case you wanted to go and sort of, you know, <laughs> write to somebody else. Uh, Steve, I think Barrymore's career ended when he did the series Bob Martin. No, it, de- it definitely happened on on that night. That was the... That was, and also the fact he disappeared. That was it. But I just don't think, in my heart of hearts, that you know Barrymore suing the police is going to do anything. I really don't, and I don't think that Stuart Lubbock's father suing Barrymore is going to achieve anything at all. He's not going to get very far. I mean, how is you know what on earth is he going to say? His father knows nothing. He wasn't there at the time. I just, I just think it's a no-brainer. I think, I think it's, I think it's quite difficult. I think it's a difficult scenario. On one hand, you've got the father who is. Uh, who is sort of desperately trying to find out what happened to his son. On the other side, you've got Michael Barrymore, a man who's had emotional problems with himself and with drugs and things like that, so probably doesn't, doesn't know. Probably doesn't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there. I just know that when I've spoken to celebrity friends of mine, I do have celebrity friends, you know, you never, ever just invite somebody back who's not in the... Can you imagine, you know... I'm not a celebrity, but imagine... And let's have a think about... <coughs> have a think of... All right, just supposing Barbara Windsor. Barbara Windsor and Scott go out. They're in a pub. They meet a couple of strangers and they invite them back to their house. It would never happen. You just don't do things like that. You might talk to people out and out at an event. But, you know, you go out to a pub. You know, I've got friends of mine who are very big. They would never dream of sort of chatting to somebody in a pub and taking them back. You just, you just don't. Because people are strangely attracted to people who've got some sort of media attention. You know, whether you're a Sky News reader. You know, I should imagine Eamon Holmes finds it nigh on impossible to go out for a drink without people going, can I come back and meet Ruth? Because she's nice. Uh, or anything like that. So you just don't do it. It's not done. And, you know, having a swimming pool. I can understand Michael Barrymore being gay. He's an attractive young man. Let's take him back, you know. And Stuart Lubbock goes back, which he probably misinterprets as being, I'm interested. Who knows? I didn't know what the sexuality of Stuart Lubbock was. I had no idea at all. Couldn't really care less. Nothing to do with me. At the end of the day, though, somebody's floating in a swimming pool like a scene out of Sunset Boulevard, which is how the film starts, with somebody floating face down in a pool. And then they do the autopsy and discover that there are internal injuries. I mean, that's, you know, enough to make any parent go completely doolallying up the wall. So I understand where he's coming from. I just don't know where it's going. That's the problem. I have got a story later on of the... uh, of the the lags have been brought to book. Apparently, lags in prison, you know, he's in a little one who'll go out to a tunnel. This is all the ones in this country. All right, Steve, mate, listen to you all the time. Love the show. Love the show. And uh, they've been allowed to have loads of books in their cells and then enough time for reading. Or perhaps they're colouring in books. I don't know. Uh, Steve, um, how about doing an in-conversation with Lewis Hamilton and Steve Davis? Oh, God, can you imagine? That would be like pulling teeth. And now joining me in the studio, Lewis. So tell me, Lewis, God, when did you first learn to put your foot down on the accelerator? Steve, when you bent over your first snooker table, what went through your mind? You know, the little questions like that that you think could make the programme barely entertaining. I'd have to talk more than usual. Uh, Steve, I shop at Primark and I'm quite posh, says B in Hackney. Don't be silly. Don't be silly. Come on. Naughty. You're in Hackney. You're not posh at all. You're chav. 
Chav in Hackney. There's no posh people in Hackney. It's not possible. Not physically possible. John in Hendon says, I'm far from wealthy. And after visiting Primark, I had to shower. <laughs> You're as bad as I am at this time of the morning. I mean, there are a few Doolally people who Matron is trying to find out where they've gone to. Uh, Ian says, uh, Primark's OK for cheap clothes for work. Was that you by the leggings section? <laughs> I tell you what you need, Steve. A loyalty card for Primark. Your life will not be complete. And Jenny says, can we have more of your Mexican drug lord and the Yorkshireman abroad? Don't know what you're saying. Actually, I'm surprised nobody said to me, I think you'll find you're being terribly racist towards the Mexicans. You know, because he talk like these. You know. <laughs> I just thought if you're a drug baron, who knows what he sounds like? You don't know what he sounds like. I don't know what he sounds like. So when I did it, it was far funnier. Uh, somebody says here... Uh, oh, this is Harry. Harry. Is that really a picture of you, Harry? Good Lord. He says he's so funny. He cheers me up at any at this time of the day. Nobody could be better. Well, it is true. I mean, I have to be honest at this price. This is the best you're going to get. I am the most available person at this price bracket, at this price bracket, at this time. And I've got no interviews today. No interviews today. I can skip out of the building. Well, I don't. I walk fairly slowly. Um, and I can go home, put my feet up, which is quite nice. Do you know what I had this morning? I felt really guilty. I felt so guilty. I woke up a bit early. And uh, so I, I sort of watched a bit of television and had a shave and then had a shower. And then I thought, I've got half an hour before the car is due to arrive. I had a weakness, ladies and gentlemen. I don't, uh, I don't often admit to things like this because I don't do it very often. And I had a packet of hot dogs in the fridge. So I took, f- and they're jumbo hot dogs from Costco. And they're really good. They're really good. So I cut three of them up in a th- and I put them in my halogen oven and then I took them out after two minutes and I covered them in tomato ketchup and I ate them all. So that's why the programme sounded like it did at the beginning. That's because I was having a bit of a moment, as you can imagine. So I don't often do that. I never eat before I come into work. I'll eat something at work, but I don't eat anything before I come to work, I normally have a cup of coffee at home or some water or chilled, you know, chilled water is generally quite good. Although people are constantly telling me, don't have chilled water, have room temperature water. Well, it doesn't fulfil me as much. It really doesn't. I mean, I could eat, I could drink slush puppies, you know, quite easily, quite easily. 84850, steve at uk. Oh, Tiffy says, who's this? The person who said you have a serious problem is absolutely right. I think you need to be very careful, Tiffy. I only warn you now. You know, you need to be very careful before I before I sue. OK, think very carefully. All right. I just thought I'd mention that now just to kind of give you a little bit of a hint up on it. OK, uh, Primark Steve is very good for cheap clothing, but that's what it is. It is cheap clothing. Yeah, you see, I mean, I don't have a problem with cheap clothing. It's just not for me. You know, people people like cheap clothing and and that's that's great. If that's what you can afford, then that's what you can afford. It's great. Uh, regarding Wimbledon Gate, Hamilton, says Mark, turned up and thought they could bend the rules which would make the press and make him look so important. The fact is, Wimbledon is a respected British institution, and with high standards that are respected globally. It took him down a few pegs, it'll do his ego the world of good. Yes, I agree with you, but the trouble is, Mark, as you and I know, the officials at Wimbledon do not bend the rules. They've been known to stand there and bar tennis players. That's how officious they are. So Coming to Wimbledon, I don't think so, sir. What's your name? Nav- Navratilova. Oh, you're a woman. You're definitely not coming in here. Playing tennis? Women? I don't think so. Not on my watch. And they're like that. They're a little bit jobsworths. So there was no chance that Lewis was ever going to get anywhere near the royal box dressed like a pimp. 
I mean, seriously, you could understand it, you know, if he... If it, all he had to do was put a shirt and a tie on and a jacket. But he couldn't even manage that. How sad. 14 minutes to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 11 minutes to, uh, to five. And Kevin says, I'm still wearing a Ben Sherman shirt I bought about 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Good grief. And uh, somebody says, well, Abdul says, do you think the Lewis Hamilton debacle, Steve, was by his management company? After all, he did get the headlines. Yeah, but he's, but he's got the head. I mean, you know, you, you might not be wrong. You might not be wrong, especially when they offered him a tie to wear and he declined. Which, you know, I mean, perhaps he, he thinks he looks great in some of these clothes that he's wearing, but uh, I'm not of that opinion. Unfortunately for Lewis says Rabia in Toronto. He treated a, tweeted a picture of his Royal Box ticket before he arrived. The photo clearly shows a booklet which says Guide for Royal Box Guests. Oh, right. Sadly, he is a representative of the entitled New Money set. Good on Wimbledon for not allowing him in. Oh, I'd have loved to have been the person. Sorry, come in here. What's your name? Lewis. What sort of silly name is that? Lewis what? Hamilton. Let me check my list. Yes, you're in here. You're not coming in wearing those clothes. Have you got other clothes? Did you wear this as a joke? A floral shirt for a butch racing driver? I don't think so. And, uh, sorry, socks? Primark, ten pairs a pound, OK? Try, try going there again. Do you have a jacket? No. And the, the little funny hat you're wearing? No, that's off as well. No, do you want to change any of this? No, you're not coming in. Simple as that. Fantastic. I love it. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you, you could be right, it could be a publicity stunt, but the trouble is a publicity stunt that has backfired that has backfired on him so badly that it makes him look a bit thick. Because otherwise, I mean, we're now assuming, aren't we, if, if that was correct, that last text, and said that there was a little guy to the royal box, and there would be, it would be arriving at a certain time, you would be expected to behave in a, in a manner as befits the royal box. You would be expected to wear the right clothes. He can't, perhaps he can't. I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm just sort of guessing as to why he wouldn't know. I mean, surely if you're sitting in the royal box and he's never been there before, then you would go, God, love a little booklet. What does he think it has? It's like, bits to colour in. Page one, colour in the crown. Page two, colour in Prince Andrew's face. Let's just make it ruddy red, shall we? You know, of course not. It's telling you what you're expected to know. But I mean, if you're too dim, there's no point at all. Uh, Chris says, uh, give me ice cold water and a slush puppy. You see, I know, but it's wrong. It's bad for us, Chris. It is bad. It really is. I know that tepid room temperature water is, is supposedly what we're supposed to be drinking. But um, it's, uh, it's not for me, I'm afraid. Uh, Sean is listening from America. He says, uh, your show makes working nights much more bearable, very amusing and informative. It certainly is. Well, it's, it's both amusing and informed. I mean, where else would you know about how badly dressed Lewis Hamilton was if it were not for this programme? If you're in America, you wouldn't know these things, would you? You would have no idea. 84850, uk. I like the idea of the man. He's having Groundhog Day. Every day he wakes up and he thinks it's Monday, March the 14th, 2005. Isn't that f- that's an odd thing. I don't understand how these things work. But... Um, they're now treating him. He's known as William O. That's all they're, they're telling you. He wakes up every morning and he thinks it's the day of his dental appointment ten years ago. Why? I mean, why would that... Is that, is that some brain blockage? I don't know. Apparently, 1.40pm on Monday, March the 14th, 2005, is the time a dentist injected him with an anaesthetic for root canal work. Oh, God, root canal... If anybody ever says to me, I'm going in for root canal work, I shake my head and go... 
Oh, God, it's awful. I had it once. It's terrible. Not nice. Anyway, so uh, he can't remember the last decade as new memories stay for 90 minutes. So once he's, he's got 90 minutes, then he goes back where he started from. <gasps> Must make it mad. Every day, he thinks, is the day of the dental appointment. And each day, he's prompted by his wife to check his computer on which the family has listed and updated key facts he should be aware of. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't help. Because he still thinks it's... <laughs> Monday the 14th, 2005. I mean, what hope? What hope for the, uh, for the poor person? Uh, another one here. And uh, this is um, Mark in Wakefield. Honestly, so many northerners creeping in on this programme recently. I don't know really how... Are you allowed to listen to this sort of radio? I know you're starved of decent things up there. Wakefield, what are you known for? Nothing. Uh, he says, I'm a fan of Lewis Hamilton. He's not boring. He's boring! He's boring. If you can't see it, you must be a dullard as well. You saw him on the uh, on the Graham Norton show. I mean, he was just pants. Everybody, yeah, on Friday as well. Was he on the last Graham Norton show? Oh, TFI Friday. Oh, he was so boring. He's dull. He says he's the face of Formula One. He's the. What are you talking about? He's the face of a fast car. Well, you've probably got the face for Thomas the Tank Engine, but we're not going to hail you as anything very important, I'm afraid. He says, it's hard to drive, and it's dangerous job too. Well, so? God, blimey, honestly. Do you know, I've suddenly realised this country, they get dimmer and dimmer as we go further up north and wetter and wetter. By the time we get to Wakefield, you're positively soaking wet, aren't you? I've just been woken up, Steve, by a bat flying around my room. That'll be your mother-in-law, I should imagine. Uh, after leaving the room pretty quickly, I returned with a hat and a towel and found the bat in the corner and used the towel to put it out the back window. Good grief. I didn't think bats came in windows, don't they? Doesn't their echo sounding mean that they they don't do that? We had a pigeon fall down a chimney once at home. That was a nightmare. We should have put a cow... Years and years ago, this was. And it fell down the uh, fell down the uh, the chimney. And then, of course... But it was blocked off our chimney, the other end, because we had a, a Rayburn thing in there. So we, my dad had to un, un, unblock it, take out some bricks. And this thing flew out into the room. Well, you can imagine the carnage, can't you? Covered in soot, all of, oh god, mother screaming, father standing on the settee trying to catch it, me hiding behind the settee. God, it was blooming awful, it really was terrible. Uh, 84850, oh, steve at Did the Mexicans' uh, drug baron's tunnel go all the way to Greece? Because it sounded like the Mexican prison staff, but ended up being Greek, says John the cabbie. Listen. I'm not an impressionist. You know, you're not, you're not being paid extra, you know, to get impressionists on this programme. You're just getting a little sort of a little taster of it. Goodness sake, honestly. It's no pleasing some people. John, come on, for goodness sake, pull yourself together. Uh, David says, I shop only M&S for my stuff. Is that OK, Steve, in your book? Um, well, you don't have to shop M&S all the time. I mean, I personally do, and you know why. Because, David, uh, M&S now cater for the slightly fuller figure. Unfortunately, they don't go quite big enough. I think they do online... But uh, they only go up to XXL in the shop. I don't think I've ever seen anything bigger than XXL. I might have seen XXXL, but that's like one item. And it's just, it's not quite big. You know, because I think they, they, their shirts are a nightmare. I bought a load of shirts once. You have to make sure you buy the right ones. If you buy slim, the shirt is cut so that, to be honest with you, you can't breathe and it looks ridiculous. What I want is something that hangs... You know, and, and I found these Tommy Bahama shirts hang quite well. So they, they get my, my vote. Somebody says you can get Ben Sherman shirts in TK Maxx. I've never been in TK Maxx. I've never been. <laughs> uh, Mina says, forget cold water. I like to eat ice. 
I go through a bag. Oh, we used to. It was kids. You remember you used to go to the. We used to have a metal ice tray in our fridge. Now they're all plastic and, you know, pop out the ice cubes and all the rest of it. But we had a metal one and you pulled a handle at the end and it cracked the ice and then you took it out and we would suck an ice cube. I mean, how exciting was our childhood? We sucked an ice cube. Dear God in heaven, honestly. There's people dying. And oh, sorry about that. We're, uh, we're sort of dying. You know, when we sort of go abroad in the heat and, you know, I'm talking about sucking ice cubes. Um, woo, wait, 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 chip, 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 chip. Sorry, wait a minute. I have to take my thing off. Warren is now texting like mad. And uh, I keep forgetting to turn the sound down on my telephone, which I can't help. Uh, 84850. Another one here. And uh, somebody says, uh, amusing and informative, Steve. Amusing and twisted would be more accurate. But that's why we love you. That's why the audience figures are the way they are. I can't tell you any more than that. I can, uh, I can only... I can only explain that uh, we are eternally grateful. And as LBC is now station of the year for the third year running, I think we can actually hold our hands up and go, nobody does it better. Uh, Steve, I've never stepped into a Primark. It's institutionalising as they, they lay the security on real heavy because they assume that the, uh, the peasants who have to shop there are more likely to steal. Are they? Do they have a lot of security in, in Primark? I wouldn't have thought they'd really have to... Oh, do they, oh, they, right. oh they do, apparently. I wouldn't have thought they'd need to bother. Uh, Ian says, David Beckham dressed well for the Royal Box. Yes, but well, he knows what to wear. I mean, that's why I'm just a little bit embarrassed. But there again, no, poor old, um, poor old uh, Lewis is only a racing driver, so we don't need to worry too much about him. He's not going not gonna to crop up in anybody's life, is he, really, anytime soon. I don't think he's going to be popping up on an in-conversation. <laughs> Having said that, <laughs> I don't know what they've booked. No, I know what they've booked for this week. This week we've booked uh, Michael McIntyre, who I think is in tomorrow, and I think Phil Daniels, who's in Les Miserables, you know, he was in um, uh, Quadrophenia, he was in Scum, he featured with Blur, uh, then he was in EastEnders, he's done tonnes of stuff. And uh, we've done him before, only the once before, but uh, I can't wait to talk to him about Les Miserables. He's absolutely ideal for Les Miserables, because he's playing uh, Tenadier, who's the innkeeper, and he'll be absolutely, absolutely right for that one. Yes, everybody's agreeing with you about, uh, about the Lewis thing. So thank you, Warren, very much indeed. The, the, the one thing, of course, we do know about Lewis Hamilton is that he can't read, because otherwise he'd have read his little book and he'd have realised that if you're going to go into the royal box, you're going to wear something really, really nice. I mean, it's going to be an, an opportunity to look fantastic, as opposed to us, say, wearing this flowery shirt. He's got the very girly earring in, the sunglasses which don't suit him, and a funny little hat. And no socks. I mean, no socks in this weather. Feet must be sweating something chronic. LBC coming up to the news at five o'clock this morning. And coming up in the next hour, George Michael denies the story from the paper yesterday that was sold by a cousin of his saying that he's on crack cocaine. Not a word of truth, he says. He's considering suing. Rolf Harris has been given a cushy prison job. The wild storms to bash Britain. Doctors demand drastic action to fight obesity. When it comes to cars, blue is the colour. The guide to loading the dishwasher. I know you never get round that one. And yours for £800,000, the gold vacuum cleaner. 800 Somebody will buy it, won't they? Somebody. And the reward for the Judy Garland Wizard of Oz slippers. They've gone missing. They're offering a million pounds. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. More is next. Steve Allen on LBC.
Morning, everybody. It's four minutes past five. It's the most listened to early breakfast show, bar none. Monday, 13th of July, the wild storms will bash Britain. Even fellow radio presenters in this building this morning are saying, not shorts today, Steve, it's a bit too cold. At last, the guy to loading the dishwasher. George Michael denying any involvement with drugs at all at the moment, especially after the revelations in the paper yesterday. The penguin, who's scared of water. They've got to try and get him back in. The transgender cabbie, we knew we'd find one somewhere. The 500 failed drug tests in the army. And the doctors demanding drastic action to fight obesity. All of that, super berries and the British tourists scrambling for cash. Greece's banks are beginning to run out of money. It's not good. All of that and more this morning as your caring sharing show trundles its way through till uh, till 6.30. For some strange reason, some peculiar creature called Tiffy says, would you like my medical reports? Why in God's name would I want your medical reports? I'm not remotely interested. In your me- Why would I want medical reports? Are you quite ill or something? Perhaps you're on medication. And it says, how many ordinary, you must learn how to spell, citizens you're going to insult today? Quite a lot, I should imagine, judging by some of your peculiar texts. Why would I want your medical reports? What are you on about? <laughs> it says LBC is supposed to care about disabled people. Yes, and they do. And they do. What are you on about? Are you, are you on some sort of medication or something this morning? I'm assuming you must be. Uh, another one here, uh, which says, um, what proof do you want? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Are you particularly odd or whatever? I don't know. Perhaps we'll never find out. Uh, how anybody expected a thoughtful man like Lewis Hamilton to flourish in the company of egotists like Graham Norton and Chris Evans? Were any royals in the royal box, says Andy? Uh, there were, actually. Yes, there were. Shows how much you were following the tennis. I quite liked it, actually. I don't necessarily follow tennis. I'm probably with, with Darren Adam on it. It's just a ball going from this side to that side. But they went for over two and a half hours, and in that heat it was great. And then somebody won at the end. So it's like, they, it's like I used to watch the, um, the wrestling on the television, and it was, it was always a fiddle. I used to always think the wrestling was a fiddle. You'd watch sort of giant haystacks and uh, Kendo, Kendo Nagasaki and all these other people. It was quite, it was quite bizarre. There'd always be, always be a woman at the front and she'd lean over and thwack the wrestlers on the head if they came near her side of the ring. I just loved it, actually. Uh, Steve Lewis could have gone around the corner to Primark to buy a suit. He is. <laughs> and uh, 8 for 850. And then, uh, so I get this question all the time and says... Um, how does a radio station tell how many listeners they have? Uh, they survey people. That's how every radio station knows exactly how many listeners it's got. I can tell you exactly how many people are listening at this moment. I can tell you why more people are listening to this. I can tell you the percentage of people that are listening to this station now as opposed to anything else. And it's huge. It's absolutely vast. Vast. Mainly because, you know, others, same old, same old. This station pushes the boundaries a little bit, as you know. If you listen to it for any length of time, and once you've started listening, you actually um, you actually sort of end up being addicted to something. You cannot get away from it. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Another one here says you're absolutely right. I'm the best dressed man in Luton. Dear, I don't think you can really put best dressed and Luton in the in the in the same sentence. It just doesn't work, I'm afraid. It's a nice it's a nice thought, but it's just not going to be happening, is it? On the subject of uh, security, B and Q in Peckham have security with the, with guard dogs. 
Good Lord. Mind you, we have security in Marks and Spencer's in Twickenham. He's useless. He doesn't do anything at all. He, uh, he just stands around rearranging bottles on a shelf. Seriously, he doesn't do... I'm really quite, uh, quite surprised that they've even kept him on, which is sort of very, very odd. Very, very odd. Uh, another one here, which says... Um, somebody says... Uh, oh, sorry, it's, uh, it's Alex again. And Alicia says, LBC is supposed to care about disabled people. Yes. And... I don't quite get what the, where this one is going. Actually, I'm sort of I'm always fascinated by things that sort of this this creature Tiffy starts writing things. Says I mean, it makes no sense at all. Not those that have disabilities that make them unable to work. Are you talking about? I mean, really? Are you sort of you slightly deluded? But uh, we have no idea what you're talking about. Nobody knows. Producer doesn't know. I don't know. Um, Malcolm says, you had me and probably a few more thinking. It was Sunday at the start of the show today when uh, you announced in conversation. Yes, wh- what happens is when, when the computer has a bit of, a, a bit of an, an effort going on or it's all of a sudden it gets too much for it, um, the in conversation uh, kicks in. It's what we call the emergency. And so it kicked in uh, briefly for about a minute and a little bit. You mentioned uh, hot dogs. I had no idea they were here in the UK. Apparently, in the USA, Costco's hot dog and soda combo is the same price it was 27 years ago. $1.50. Yes, they are. Well, th- these, uh, these uh, hot dogs you buy in a packet of... I don't know what they are. I'm sure that there's something in the back of my mind, and I can't remember what it is, but I'm quite sure that in the back of my mind, um, hot dogs are bad for you. and I can't remember why. But the best hot dog I ever had, ever, ever had, was in Vienna. Paul Hollingdale will tell you, over there they do hot dogs. They have these uh, Wurst stands by the side of the road and they do hot dogs. But their hot dogs, unlike here, where they sort of slice a roll uh, down the middle and then they put it in there and they squirt on the stuff and they put the, uh, the, the, uh, the onions on. In Vienna, they cut a baguette in half and they put it onto a hot spike. So the hot spike goes through the middle of the baguette, thus sort of, you know, flattening the bread and making it hot. Then they drop the sausage in after they put the... Um, the sauces in either the the sweet mustard or the or the hot mustard and then they put the sausage in so you get it's even it's it's the best thing ever i promise you it's absolutely fantastic it really is i mean if, you know in in terms of the best hot dog i've ever had that would be the best hot dog i'd ever had 84850 steve at uk. what's the underwear chat about this morning says adrian uh, we were trying to find out whether or not um primark sold underwear and, uh, and apparently they do so, in other words, you can actually get dressed top to toe in, uh, in, in Primark. In Primark. You can wear, literally, I mean, like I am practically top to toe M&S. Shoes M&S, socks M&S, pants M&S, jeans M&S, shirt Tommy Bahamas. That's the, I mean, but if Marks and Spencers did shirts like this, I'd be buying them from Marks and Spencers. Uh, Steve, as a diabetic, have you ever heard of Okra? Yes, I have heard of Okra, yes. And uh, you, you can find it. It's not too difficult to find okra. You can find it in, in a lot of greengrocers, or they'll, they'll be able to order it in for you, won't they? And uh, so Len is in uh, Bishop Stortford, you lucky person. I love Bishop Stortford. You know, one of my favourite restaurants is in Bishop Stortford. I absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, more of your texts and uh, emails. Uh, the toughest challenge of his career, Chris Evans is saying, taking over as Top Gear host. It will be tough. It will be tough because they have these... Um, People who are loyal to programmes, and you will find that Jeremy Clarkson and the other two um, have got a lot of uh, a lot of loyal fans, and they won't. There'll be people who like Chris Evans, be people who don't like Chris Evans. That that doesn't really matter. It's whether the programme can survive. There was talk in one of the papers today 
that the BBC could axe the voice. Mainly because it, it doesn't do the business in the ratings, and frankly, it's produced absolutely nothing at all. Absolutely, you know, nothing. It just, <laughs> whatever. So it'll be interesting to see whether or not Chris Evans actually makes it through, and who they put on as his co-host. That'll be the interest, because you've got to get some sort of, some sort of chemistry going. And if you've got to get chemistry going, he's got to have it with somebody. I don't think he's got any chemistry with that woman from the one show. But there again, she's got no chemistry with anybody at all. The Burkos have got no chemistry. And I like John Burko. We used to use John Burko on my programme years and years ago. He was one of my, uh, my regular guests. And he was lovely. I can't stand his wife, though. Cannot stand. An attention-seeking, you know, nobody. Uh, the smash which changed my life forever for a transgender cabbie. This is a good old Daily Mirror story. And there's a picture of the transgender cabbie. They, they've put her in the worst clothes I've ever seen anybody put in. I mean, really, this is just the worst. It seriously looks like she hasn't got thruppence to rub together. And this outfit is just tacky. You would have thought they could have done something um, to make him look more feminine. I mean, seriously, the top is ghastly. The little shorts are awful. Just dreadful. Why can they not? Sort of put somebody in and try and make her look as glamorous as possible. It's the whole idea. Not to look like a bloke with a wig on his head. You know, that just looks silly. With bad makeup. They could have done so many things. They could have made it so, so positive. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Somebody called Joseph thinks I've got a sports car. I've never had a sports car. I don't do sports cars, actually. Uh, I think there's absolutely no, no, uh, no point in having a sports car. Why not? Apparently, he thinks I'm a privately educated toff. Fantastic. <laughs> Crikey, I wish I was. How lovely. <laughs> and um, and he says, I hope you go bankrupt. No danger of that, I'm afraid, Joe. No danger of that, mate. <laughs> I'm far too cautious. Far too, far too cautious with money to ever go bankrupt. How can I go bankrupt? I don't overspend. I'm very good. Uh, Adrian says, I purchased a very robust pair of black jeans from Primark. Um, although he says the codpiece, the, uh, the, uh, the crotch area looks like a codpiece from the Tudor period. <laughs> Well, you see, it's all made there. They're all made in cheap factories. That's how they can offer stuff like that at really, really cheap uh, prices. That's the reason that people go there. Uh, Steve, Rory Bremner will be looking over his shoulder if you do many more of these accents. Can you do a Geordie accent like Cheryl Cole? Yes, but I'm not going to do it now. It's quarter past five. Always puzzled why they say SW19. When it comes to Wimbledon. Because you never hear them so bad. And of course we're at rugby at Twickenham at TW7. And they're off, we're at Ascot, which is RG17. Grand National, we're off to Aintree. LS2. Am I the only person who thinks it's weird? Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Every weekday morning from 7. Only on LBC. He's quite right, you know. He's absolutely right. You never say that. They only say it about Wimbledon, don't they? That's the place where people rent out their drives. People rent out their drives so people can park there. You know, the trains are full, especially in Twickenham, of people, because it goes, it goes on to Wimbledon, and people are wearing their whites and their hats and all the rest of it, and they've got their lawn... T- oh, dear, it's, it's, it's another world, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Nick Ferrari, this morning, head of Ofsted, has slammed one in four head teachers and says that comprehensives should act more like grammar schools. And does it bother you that the government is now saying you should halve your sugar intake? Well, love to. How do, how, do, how do people go about it? Why don't they do big letters on each item of how much sugar is in there? And then people could choose. People don't, haven't got enough time to sit there trying to fathom out what it says on the back of this thing. They don't know. Emma Crosby, 
The Five News presenter will review the papers today. That's Nick Ferrari at seven, award-winning Nick Ferrari, after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. We are chock-a-block with awards on this station. Unbelievably, says Kevin, Lewis Hamilton went to lunch with Kendall Jenner, who, as I've told you before, is the most gorgeous female on the planet. I think they've probably just held hands. Do you think so? I don't, don't think, actually, that uh, it's going to be any more than holding hands. And uh, another one here, another one here, says, really enjoyed your conversation with Deborah Meaden. It's a good, actually. It, re- it really is. Uh, it's a good, it's well worth downloading. Both, both fabulous this week. Absolutely fabulous. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, I was going to give you the weather, because, but I think if you look out the door, you're going to have a rough idea what it is. It's uh, a little bit little bit wet out there this morning and uh, you're in for a whole bunch of bad weather this week. It's not going to get any better. But I mean, who cares? Listen, does it make any difference? It's not going to spoil your day, is it? Not going to spoil your day at all, I wouldn't have thought. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. On the subject of fizzy drink, says Robert... Uh, farm Foods have three 18 packs of Diet Cola for £15.24. They're always offering deals. You can go to um, Iceland. That's the shop as opposed to the country. And they're always doing deals on packs, you know, and they do a fridge pack. They do all sorts of packs in there so that you can sort of stick it in the fridge. I have to be honest, I hold my hands up. I've always been the uh, the first one, the first one who, who pulled the fizzy drinks out of the fridge, the ice cold ones. If I was on a flight somewhere... A fizzy drink's only got a bit older than I realised that if you stuck a vodka in a fizzy drink, it was even better. Never fizzy orange. I never did fizzy orange. And I never did IRN brew. It was either Pepsi or Coke. That was it. I never understood the idea that people went, oh, you can have a diet Pepsi. What's the point of that? What's the point of that? You know, people think if you just drink diet Pepsi, the weight's going to fall off. Of course it isn't. Don't be so silly. Uh, Edward says Lewis Hamilton, and he would know he's a TV editor of a national newspaper. Edward says Lewis Hamilton is so dull and smug, he managed to ruin the last episode of Graham Norton. And that's no mean feat. And uh, he's he's not wrong, actually. He's not wrong. Um, Steve, listening to uh, you in Rome. Spot on with the comments. And uh, Mark says you're the funniest presenter. Tiffy needs to get a life. I don't know what she's talking. It's a woman, is it? All oh, right. She keeps saying something like, would I like to see her medical records? Why on earth would I want to see somebody's medical records? What would be the, do you want to see my medical records? What a funny thing to write to somebody. What a funny thing to write. And then, and then <laughs> she said here, I mean, it goes to prove, she's obviously on medication. Nick Ferrari and James O'Brien wouldn't say that about me. That's well, what you've said. You've said, would I like to see your medical records? And to be brutally honest, dear, no, I'm not remotely interested in your medical records. Why would a radio presenter in London be remotely interested in your medical records? <laughs> Apparently, Peter says, there's a company on the uh, internet that will rent your drive for various events. Yes, I know. I know. A friend of mine has used it before. <laughs> um, <laughs> what are your worldwide internet numbers? Now that I couldn't tell you. I've got no idea. Do, do we keep numbers of those things? Internet? Not, we're not too sure about that one, actually. That's, that's, kind of, um, that's kind of sort of thrown us to one side. I don't, I don't know. Internet number. Oh, what, people who listen on the internet? I don't know, actually. I really would not know. I know that, you know, compared to everything, the last set of figures I looked at, as I said, we just wiped the board with anything. But there again, you know, other people are still sort of stuck in a bit of a time warp. Uh, Steve, uh, Lewis Hamilton has a bit of a, a habit of disrespecting his hosts. Did he have lunch with the Queen? Oh, they can't have invited him to Buckingham Palace. Please not, Gary. That's definitely not uh, not uh, not right. And, uh, and then uh, Stuart says, would you turn up at an award show wearing your lounge around the house clothes or clothes you wear to the pub? No, no, no. No, 
Absolutely not. You dre- if you're, somebody said you're sitting in the royal box and you're going to dress up for it, that's what, you know, and they have a dress code. It's like going to a wedding, isn't it? And they go, or you're going to, um, you know, a charity luncheon. And they say the dress code is, and it always says on the bottom of the ticket, dress code is lounge suit or dress code is black tie. You can always spot these. So Lewis Hamilton will be the sort of person on a ship. You go on the ship and they go, right, you need to bring a dinner jacket. You need to bring a lounge suit. So you need to bring some shirts and some ties. OK, no good turning up in a polo shirt. And on the first day dining on any cruise ship, it's casual. You can turn up in what you want. Second day is formal. And they tell you in your cabin. And that's the last time you see a whole group of people who've all wandered in clutching their bottles of Beck's. You know, walked to you, all right, mate? Yeah, that's a nice, smart diner a minute. And you know for the rest of the cruise, they're going to be at the front of the ship with the barbecue. They're not going to be allowed in the dining room because they don't possess a dinner jacket. That's why, you know, some people like to dress up for things. People used to dress up for the theatre. They don't dress up for the theatre now. They really don't. Um, how about Gabby Roslin as Chris Evans's co-host, says Gary in Hyams Park. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I don't, yes. Does she know anything about cars, though? Does she, you know, because if you don't know anything about cars, what's the point of uh, of sort of putting... Of putting her on there. You've got to know something about cars. No, you're just standing there being sort of, you know, bright and sort of bubbly and bimbo type. You know, we're not looking for that. I'm looking for something. I'm not looking for a woman who's going to put a car engine together. I don't want that much. I just want somebody who's going to accept the fact, and you better learn very quickly, that he's the host of the programme. That he's, you're, you're going to be the, the sidekick, OK? He's, he's like a lot of people in the business. It's good to have a sidekick as long as they remember their place. It's when you don't remember your place and people start trying to take over that things start getting a bit messy. So uh, I think anybody who's ever worked with Chris Evans will tell you exactly how he worked. My God, there's a full-length picture of Lewis Hamilton. He really thought he was going to be sitting in the royal box wearing this. God, honestly. And he's also Billy No Mates. He's all by himself. Poor soul. Hmm. Never mind. Mind you, imagine that you go there for the final... And you, and you actually can't get in. That's the, you know, and you had the shame, the shame of it, of having to sort of leave when everybody's cheering and, you know, I mean, everybody, everybody clapping and whooping and, and you're standing outside and the bloke's going, you're not coming in. OK, simple as that. Uh, a story that grieved me is in the papers today. It was actually in the papers uh, last week and it broke my heart and I was determined that I wasn't going to read it to you. But I can read it to you now. Because he's been found guilty and he's been kicked out of where he was living. A Chelsea pensioner has been kicked out of the Royal Hospital after sexually assaulting a drunken young woman in his room. This is Patrick Noel Teagan, 72. He was wearing his ceremonial scarlet uniform, which is the passport in Chelsea, I can tell you, to get free drinks, free meals, whatever you want. People absolutely welcome the Chelsea pensioners in with open arms. They can go into any pub, any coffee shop, and anybody will buy them a drink or a cup of coffee. That's what people do. That's the way it's been for the past 40 years, as far as I can remember. Uh, This particular girl was fundraising in the hospital club at the age of uh, 29, she was. She'd already had two glasses of champagne and says she blacked out after he brought her two glasses of white wine. She only remembers waking up naked in his bed with the new defendant pushing himself against her. They've uh, they've kicked him out. And quite rightly so. Shame. Absolute shame from a Chelsea pensioner here. I mean, I don't want anybody to think badly of them. This is just one person out of out of hundreds of people. Uh, hours before the assault, he'd taken part in the the, uh, the bell ringing ceremony that closes the Chelsea Flower Show. 
Um, £175 a week. You've got to be an army veteran to be there, over 65. You get a private room within the Christopher Wren building and you get three meals a day. And as I say, you get, you know, everything found for you. People will buy you drinks in all the pubs. People love talking to the Chelsea pensioners. Not this man. Kicked out in disgrace. Patrick Noel Teagan, 72. He's no longer a Chelsea pensioner. He can no longer return to Chelsea Hospital and arrangements have been made for alternative accommodation. Disgraceful. What a disgraceful person. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Today, in the north, we can only do the north to start with. It's like, (laughs) there's the old line on the Victoria Wood show. It must be, uh, sorry, uh, we'd like to apologise to people up north. It must be dreadful for you. Cloudy with spells of rain and drizzle. I love drizzle. It's neither proper rain nor proper nothing. 20 degrees, the low 10. Uh, in the south, some rain, drier later. Sun in the far south, uh, the highs 22 degrees. And tomorrow, mostly dry and sunny later. Showers in the east, in the south. Showers early, sunnier later. Wednesday, sunny spells, chance of rain. South, cloudy with showers brighter on Wednesday. So uh, that's how it looks. The uh, story of the, uh, the boy who climbed on top of a, a train, a freight train. Kyle Bradley has been named now as the 16-year-old who climbed on top of a freight train and touched the overhead wires. I mean, you can only marvel at the rank stupidity of anybody. And as I said yesterday, what more can you say to young people? This is an electric train. These wires that run over the top of the track are electricity. I mean, you can't explain it any more simply to somebody. It's electricity. You climb on the top of a train with two friends, and he was electrocuted by the wires. I mean, you know, residents said they'd uh, warned British Transport Police about children playing on the trains. One wrote on Twitter, sadly an accident waiting to happen. I've rung British Transport Police about kids playing on stationary freight in the same spot. Well, what more can you do? If you're dealing with somebody who doesn't even understand about the very basics of electricity, there's no hope at all. No hope at all. You know, British Transport Police can't come out every time and say to the kids, don't play on the trains, you could die. In the case of Kyle, he did. 16 years old, dreadful waste, but I mean, what more can you do apart from putting a big sign on the train going, this is electricity, for those people who maybe can't read. It's uh, 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. I just like hearing it. It's so funny because after a while you kind of you, you sort of switch off mentally when you have a voiceover going Steve Allen on LBC and you think I never I've never sat down and thought that's me. I just think he's I don't know who he's talking about. I mean, perhaps he's talking about somebody else. Uh, what was I going to mention? Oh yes, I have to save uh, a tweeter from themselves. I have to save Austin John James from himself this morning because he says why the hell shouldn't Lewis Hamilton wear what he wants rather than pander to pathetic elitist archaic royals? Austin, I'm going to have to save you from yourself. They don't make the rules. The box is owned by Wimbledon. They make the rules. OK, it's nothing to do with the Royals. It's to do with Wimbledon. Changed it a little bit now, hasn't it? Now you're going to have to write a humbling apology. Otherwise, we're going to take you to the tower and execute you. OK, just like I tell you now to save you from yourself, because you don't want to be silly, do you? You don't want to look silly thinking that the Queen has said this is what people have to wear in the Royal Box. No, the box is owned by Wimbledon and it's called the Royal Box because that's where the Royal Family can go. But they can give it out to their friends or anybody else. But they have a dress code in it. You know, so saving you from we're quite gathered from this one that you're not a fan of elitist archaic royals. It's just called dressing up. I'm sure being a classically trained bass baritone now singing jazz cabaret standards, timeless classics in London, you dress up for your gigs or is that just a bit poncy for you? Perhaps you just stand there in your vest and pants. Dear me, there's a career going nowhere, is there? Goodness sake, do you not dress up for it? If somebody says, can can you dress up for our wedding? You go, I don't think so, pal. 
I'll just, I'll sing me Ness and Dormer, Ness and Dormer, or do some, you know, some classics in your vest and pants. I see you there in Airtex vest and pants. You see, that's why I have to save you from yourself, because you also fall into the category of having to wear a uniform. Otherwise, you get no gigs. And if you get no gigs, you're on benefits. And if you're on benefits, you're not featuring on this programme. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I love Monday. I love Monday. I can't, I can't, sometimes I get so excited, I can barely go to bed. Brian in Farnham says uh, the powers that be say we should halve our sugar intake and eat more carbohydrates. Carbs turn into glucose, which would seem to defeat the object. I don't, it, why are they getting funny about it now? Is this after Jamie Oliver mentioned, you know, the amount of sugar? And apparently if you order a fizzy drink in a Jamie Oliver restaurant, they charge you extra for it, and yet he sells them. Would it not be easier to not sell them? Would that not make more sense? However, my uh, most hilarious tweet this morning or text comes from Patricia in Wallington, who says, would you like to see my dental records? This is after somebody said, would you like to see my medical records? We can't quite work out why I'd be remotely interested in seeing anybody's records of anything at all. And so this, uh, this, this person has said, you know, would you like to see my, my medical records? And has asked quite a number of times. I don't know why, Tiffy, I'd be more than interested in seeing your medical records. As I say, mine, I'm sure, are far more interesting. Why would I be interested in seeing yours? She's asked quite a number of times, actually, which I don't, don't quite understand. And then sort of says, Nick Ferrari and James O'Brien wouldn't say that. What? I don't want to see your medical records. God, where are you coming from? Where are you coming from? Or perhaps you've kind of twigged now, have you? Perhaps you've kind of twigged. Or perhaps you're not quite bright enough to be twigging just yet. Uh, 84850. Don't tell him to write a humble apology, Steve, to Austin. Just take him to the tower and off with his head. Yes, I mean, honestly, people who sort of think... there's a, It's typical, isn't it? Somebody who sings classical songs. You know, what's he turning up in? A pair of jeans or something. No, he's going to turn up looking smart. Otherwise, he won't get any bookings. And yet... For Lewis Hamilton to turn up in some sort of poncy shirt in the Royal Box when there's a dress code. Well, the dress code is you wear shirt and tie. That's what Wimbledon say. They expect people to dress accordingly. You know, in the same way that if, if you went into, I don't know, a posh restaurant, Austin, I'm sure you've probably been in a few in your time, probably working them, I should imagine. You know, if the waiter came over in a, in a pair of, you know, shorts, which were sort of cut down from a pair of jeans and a dirty old T-shirt and threw your food on the table, you'd be going, excuse me. You'd be expecting that. You can't have it both ways. Can't have it both ways. But don't worry, I'll expect your apology in uh, in due course. I'm sure it will. Oh, he's written back already. Fair enough, humbled. I think so too. Your career nearly went down the YouTube then. I mean, you re- you were touch and go, mate. Whether you were booked again, <laughs> very careful. Uh, Harry and Redding says Lewis Hamilton is like drizzle. Well, if it's if it's lemon drizzle, I quite like lemon drizzle. I'm a big fan of lemon drizzle cake. Really bad. I did have this cake yesterday at the Lavender Farm, which is quite small, but, you know, for people of a certain age, and I think I'm that age now, I think I enjoy it. And uh, I did have apricot and lavender cake, and it was it was lovely. It was really... Actually, yesterday hardly cost me a penny piece. My brother paid. Normally I pay, but my brother paid yesterday, and I thought, well, that's good, you know. In fact, he even commented when I left. He said... Because sometimes I go to the boot of the car and I give him a few little treats out of the car. And uh, and he said, I've actually spent all the money today. And I thought, well, that's not bad. I had to give his daughter, because, you know, I told you his uh, daughters uh, have passed their university things. And we had this big debate on how much money. So I said to him, I said, listen, I said, I'll, I'll give them some money. How much do you think I should give them each? And he said, what were you thinking? So I thought, so I said, oh, I've downscaled it. So I said, I thought, 100? And he said, oh, that'd be more than fair. And they can put it to petrol or something like that. So they got £100 each in a card. They went and got the cards. I didn't even have to buy the cards. In fact, I'm kind of quids in on this deal yesterday. It was actually quite a quite an inexpensive, inexpensive day for me yesterday. <laughs> a lot of people saying you really need to write more humbling, Austin. Seriously. 
You know, I mean, the co- people could be cancelling bookings on the strength of you being anti-royalist. Orla <laughs> uh, says, would you like to see my O-level results? <laughs> This has this has started a bit of a bit of a backlash again against this uh, this poor person who thinks I want to see their medical records. This is Tiffy, and uh, and then say and and to report to tell you that my disability, my medical issues exist. Why would somebody be writing this to me? Why would I, why would I be remotely interested in your disability and medical issues? <laughs> so funny. And then somebody says, Glenn says, would you like to see my vinyl records? I don't mind seeing vinyl. I've got some vinyl records. Actually, I've I've got a quite historic vinyl record. It's only historical if you're in the business and you're a bit of an anorak for radio. I've got the record that was played that opened United Biscuits Network in 1970, <coughs> Frozen to Death, which started the careers of Adrian Love and Graham Dean and Nicky Horn and Roger Scott and uh, Dale Winter and Peter Tate and Steve Allen and a load of other people. And I've got the first record. It was The Who's... Tommy, which opened it, and I've got that vinyl record. It doesn't mean anything to anybody else at all, because it's vinyl and it's scratched and all the rest of it, but it means something to me, because that was where I spent my formative years. Uh, Steve, with overhead power lines, you don't need to actually touch them, as they can kill you, if you only come within a few inches, when the power behaves like lightning and can strike you in the same way. That's from Malcolm. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think anybody could be that stupid as to touch it. But also, why would you go anywhere near something that's got... I mean, there are signs on all the overhead gantries, are there not? You know, with the electricity sign, like, you know, dangerous. Dangerous can kill. And so they climb on top of a freight train. I mean, A, they shouldn't have been there. This is just badly behaved children. Sadly, one dead badly behaved child, which is probably one dead badly behaved child too many. But what more can they do? What more can they do? Nothing, really. Nothing at all. Uh, would you like to see my my Chaz and Dave records? Stop it now. The joke has now gone too far. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, was the uh, lavender farm in Surrey? No, it's not in Surrey. It's down near Southampton. It's near Wellow. Uh, they have a website, actually, which I tweeted uh, yesterday. And the website is... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me find it for you. It's called newforestlavender.com. It's, I promise you it's small. Don't, don't expect to go there and see acres and acres. It's really quite small. But it's, it's quite a nice... If you're sort of elderly... And when I say elderly, anybody over the age of 50 who likes flowers and things like that, you'll like that. Nice drive down there. Check them out. Newforestlavender.com. Very pretty. Very pretty little place. And they do a nice cup of tea. So there you go. Uh, Joe says, would you like to see my Bee Gees records? I've got every Bee Gees record. Somebody said, do you want to see my CRB check? (laughs) And another one said, would you like to see my O-level records from 1986? (laughs) Austin still hasn't written another grovelling apology. He's going to need to, actually. I'm seriously going to push you on this one if I don't get really, you know, seriously humbling on this. And money sent in an envelope. <laughs> 84850 steve at uk. Uh, another one here says, uh, Do you want to see my plumbing? says Tony. Criminal records, says Josh. And, and somebody called Des says, uh, Criminal records as well. So obviously, all thinking likewise. <laughs> I love it. And then somebody says, uh, Steve Allen, I can't even spell my name, so they're obviously a bit dim. Uh, and if you're on benefits, you're not coming on this program. Uh, at Ofcom, A five thirty a.m. <laughs> Hilarious, love stuff like that. I really love people at this time of the morning. Obviously, Matron doesn't know you're out either. And uh, <laughs> eight four eight five zero. Steve at lbc.co.uk. Coming up to quarter two. Very quickly, uh, very quickly. Uh, Malcolm says, 
have you got that strange woman's name's right? Isn't it Tipsy? I don't know. I just, why would you want to see somebody's medical records? That's it's the only thing we couldn't fathom out why we'd be wanting to see them. I turned up at a function once, says Martin, without a tie. This is going back to the Lewis Hamilton story. The guy on the door told me I need one to get in. I told them I'd go back to my car to see if I can find one. All I had was a pair of jump leads. So I tied them round my neck and went back to the function and asked if they'd suffice. They said they'd let me go in as long as I didn't try to start anything. Oh, dear, honestly, I didn't see that one arriving <laughs> much. Thank you very much indeed. It's amazing how many of you seem to have vinyl records. I'm finding this slightly disturbing. Slightly disturbing. Uh, Adrian says... Have you looking for an exotic new spread for crumpets? Do I sound like somebody who eats crumpets? There is something called fluff, which is a low-calorie marshmallow spread. Sounds disgusting. I think I've heard of it. It's, it's a fairly big jar, isn't it? And it does look like, like marshmallow kind of thing. Put it with peanut butter for, for something. Well, that, the whole idea is, if it's low-calorie, what are you putting it with peanut butter for? Surely peanut butter is high-calorie, isn't it? Is it good for you? I don't think so. I did love and I've gone off it recently, I did used to love peanut butter. Peanut butter on toast. I could eat half a loaf of bread easy, peanut butter, but unfortunately being diabetic, it does, it does make me feel quite ill quite quickly. So, so the moment of pleasure doesn't last as long as it uh, as it should do, which is always was a bit of a disappointment to me. I can have certain foods, and at the time I'm absolutely enjoying them, and then generally speaking, within about five minutes, I can start feeling the effect. And the quickest effect for me, curry, curry from an Indian restaurant is the guaranteed thing to put me under the table. Terrible. Uh, Sally uh, Burko is back with uh, little John. Apparently, Burko went to Wimbledon yesterday. She's promised she'll never stray again. You don't believe that, do you, John? Do you believe that? People say that, don't they? They always say, I'll, I'll never, ever stray again. I'll never do, I'll never do anything. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be by your side. I'll be a good girl, I will. Good girl. And then you think, I don't know, can he ever trust her ever again? The trouble is, I think he actually still likes her. It's just that she's such an attention-seeking idiot. I think he said to her, listen, no more silly dressing up, no more going out getting drunk, no more sleeping with people, OK? Let's try and get this thing back for the sake of the children. So he's giving her one last chance. What do we give it? Six months? Year? Something like that? She'll have to stay out of the, uh, out of the limelight. You wish that Karen Danshuk would do the same, don't you, really? You wish she'd disappear and stay in Rochdale and disappear completely because she's just another bore, her and her husband. I used to quite like him. I thought he was a great groundbreaker and everything else. And then the more you read about the both of them, the more you can't stand them. Uh, Steve, what's the difference between a hot dog and a regular sausage? Content. Meat content of a hot dog is not particularly high, is it? Isn't it made up of uh, fillings in a, in a lot of, uh, lot of cases? It does taste delicious, though. I, ca- I can't deny it to you. Hot dog sausages drizzled with cheese. Just, sorry, I'm making myself ill now. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Monday morning. I know traditionally it's your worst day of the week. You've had a nice weekend. Well, the weather's not been as brilliant. Uh, and before the heat wave returns, you've got storms... And uh, some of them could be uh, particularly bad, particularly bad. So just take an umbrella with you, stick it in your bag. Go buy one of those small collapsing umbrellas. As long as it's not windy, you should be fine. Uh, Angelina in uh, España says, you must have been the youngest person at the lavender farm as you're nowhere near 50. Did you buy any lavender? I didn't. I nearly bought some plants. They had some beautiful, they've got some uh, David Austin roses down there and they are the best roses I've ever seen. One of them, I nearly bought it and I picked up this plant. It was just laden with blooms and it was just gorgeous and it was only £8. 
which I thought was quite reasonable for a David Austin Rose. And I put it down. I said to my brother, that's quite nice. And this bloke picked it up and went to pay for it. Could have killed. Could have killed. But anyway, no, I was all right about it. I was OK. But they've got David Austin Roses and they've got all sorts of things. And it was lovely. You're very kind, though. Very kind. Uh, now uh, we've had all the, uh, the problems in Tunisia. Now over in Greece... The British tourists are scrambling for cash as the banks there appear to be running out of money. There's a story in a lot of the papers today because what they've done is they've stopped exchanging pounds for euros. I think they were offering, was it one pound is 139 euros? I think that was the latest exchange rate that I saw earlier on. And uh, with Greeks still banned from withdrawing more than 43 pounds a day from banks, the country is fast running out of money. They need to repay two point. One six billion by July the 20th. Can you imagine if you'd be given a bill by that? And they go, when's that payable by? July the 20th. I thought my tax bill was bad enough. The impact on travellers has become obvious, with bank cashiers refusing to accept sterling for euros. So just be warned if you're going there. There is, uh, you know, there could be sort of, uh, there could be trouble ahead, as they say. So uh, not particularly good news if anybody's going off uh, on holiday. Um... Steve uh, says, Richard, you may see my 25-yard swimming certificate from 1958, but I shall never let you see my tailor's records. Just too shocking for words. Thank you very much indeed. I thought so. And uh, have you still got your automata, says Mark. Uh, it's not an automata. It's, um, it's, I don't know how to describe it, actually. Do you remember I bought this, this walking doll from China? And you hold its hand and it walks with you. It's, it's dressed in... It's a rather peculiar thing. I did tweet a picture of it ages and ages ago. I bought it from this place in China. And when you watch them doing it on the television, it looks like a robot kind of thing, but, of course, it's no such thing. It's, it's quite cleverly designed. In fact, it's very simply designed. I keep threatening to take it to the Magic Circle to show people down there, but then I, I thought to myself, somebody say, and you paid how much for that? It's like sort of magic tricks, isn't it, really? It's, uh, it's sometimes a little bit disappointing. Sometimes a little bit. Uh, the runaway teacher, Jeremy Forrest, is in all the papers. He now wants to become an author or a life coach after serving time for abducting one of his pupils. A life. What are life coaches? I keep reading about people who are life coaches, and I think to myself, well, what are you? What, what does that mean? Is it somebody who tells you how to run your life? But because basically they're people who can't run their own lives. I mean, I wouldn't trust him to run a bath. To be honest with you, a life coach. I think Jeff Brazy is a life coach as well. With what with what qualification? I suppose having children with Jade Goody would mean that you've probably been round the world a couple of times. It is odd, isn't it? They go, I'm a life coach. And people go to somebody because they can't sort out their own, their own problems. And they let somebody else sort them out. Whereas the other person can barely sort out their own problems. So I suppose it's a case of, you know, people helping each other. I'm assuming. I don't know. I've never, never thought about anything like that. And uh, amusing to hear the precious Lewis fan, says Steve, complaining that you dare to mock their idol. Oh, mocking Lewis. Mocking Lewis. He says, I'm sure Nico Rosberg would have observed the correct dress code for the Royal Box. The trouble is, it's, it's uh, you know, it was, as, as Austin said, and we have got uh, more humbling grovelling from him. He's, uh, he's, he's come back again. And this time, I think he said he's, uh, he's holding his hands way above his head, uh, which I think is possibly the best place. He said, because I really don't want to, uh, I don't want to go to the, to the tower. Which I suspect is where he could have gone. Coming up with that kind of shenanigans, honestly, on my programme, on a, on a Monday morning, I ask you, ladies and gentlemen. He says, uh, I'm holding my hands up way above my head. Big musical apology. Contrary to rumours, I'd hate torture in the tower. Yeah, right. OK. And uh, Quentin says you should be available on the National Health. We could get through operations. And I'll, did you hear the other day, Petri was saying that there's an awful lot of um, operations uh, that are done on the National Health Service that don't need to be done. 
I thought, who on earth comes up with, you know, let's um, let's sort of let's sort of do an operation today? I can't uh, I can't imagine why. Eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Very quickly, let's try and get as many of these in as we can. A lot of people offering me their Metro Bank statements, which is very nice. <laughs> and for, for Gregory, I think actually the police have seen that one, so we don't need to worry about it too much, do we? Uh, other stories which are in the papers. I like the uh, the guy who's made a shed, and uh, it's a dilapidated hen house turned gin distillery. Sounds a bit odd, I realise. Which fought off competition from a miniature railway wagon and a corrugated cottage to be crowned Shed of the Year. The Inchrick Distillery, which is near Aviemore in Scotland, was described as a Wild West gin joint by the owner, a guy called Walter Micklethwaite. It's now a fully functioning distillery and farm shop, two years after being overrun. It looks, it's like stepping into the Wild West. He gets a £1,000 cash prize from the wood preserver Cuprinol. How tight. £1,000. Is that it? Is that all Cuprinol? Good, perhaps they're not flogging any Cuprinol recently. They had 2,500 entries, and he gets £1,000 from Cuprinol. God, blimey, how cheap are you? God, I thought I thought £10,000 at £1,000. Must have found that behind the sofa, did you? Girl, truth, honest, that's the best they can manage. Uh, who does Nicola think she is? This is Nicola Sturgeon. How funny should she, she should be at the All England Club, ladies and gentlemen. Do you not think that was fairly strange? Who does she think she is to be telling us what to do in England? Go away. Like one of those irritants you get in your shed. Oh, got it. There you go. It's gone. Finally got rid of a Nicola. Um, other pictures in the papers. Anthea Turner. Oh, God, she's not still going, is she? I had no idea she was still around. But apparently here she is. And she was in the Safety and Beauty White Party, whatever in God's name that is. But the best they could manage is Anthea Turner and Lizzie Cundy. This is the one who looks like a gerbil. Have you seen Lizzie Cundy? She used to be married to a footballer, apparently. Really, she's most peculiar looking. She's 46, but she could be anywhere between that and 70. Anthea Turner's admitted to having Botox. And, um, and they, they, I mean, any, any place that advises Anthea Turner and Lizzie Cundy, you know we're scraping the barrel a little bit. I mean, the least they could have got is Lewis Hamilton. I mean, he's eminently available. And he's got that nice floral shirt to wear which he can't wear at Wimbledon. I mean, surely somebody must have sort of seen him going in and sort of said, you'll never get into the royal box wearing that, pal. <laughs> uh, Let's says, I had to start work 4.45 till 8 in the morning. Not much time in the day. Uh, Sheila from Cockfosters celebrates a birthday today. We liked uh, our regulars to uh, 39 again, Sheila, I gather. You and me together. It's nice, that, isn't it? I like being 39. It's very good. After years on chatting on Facebook, we finally met in person at the Magic Circle this year, says Kevin the Milkman. Good. <laughs> so many happy returns of the day. And uh, Kevin's also got 500 punk singles and a couple of hundred albums as well. I should put them on the computer so I can send them to you. Thank you. Actually, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm averse to punk music. I'm, I'm open to most music. Most, I mean, I think the only music I'm not really au fait with is jazz. I don't really understand jazz. I don't really, you know, people sort of, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I've never been to Ronnie Scott's. And I don't think I possibly could. It's not, not really my sort of thing. I was watching, there was some show, I think, on the television, another one of these sort of party-in-the-park kind of things. And this one had Avicii on, who sort of plays it. But it was mainly a light show. It was very pretty with lights all over the place and lasers. And he just stands there and he just sort of waves his hand in the air. He doesn't do anything. He just sort of waves his hand and the crowd wave along with him. Because you don't... He, he's had a number of hit singles. I find it very catchy. But each one is individual. They don't even segue into each other. So that was uh, that was quite, and I did watch that. I did find find myself tapping my foot 
I've got to that stage now where I can actually... I'm a good foot tapper. I can tap feet. I don't actually get very far. Uh, in the paper today, uh, in all the papers, uh, the BBC is in for biased news investigation. And uh, it's going to be considered by, uh, by a panel of experts. They're going to uh, draw up a new version of the BBC's Royal Charter, which expires at the end of next year. A BBC source warned the BBC is a British global success story. If we get this review wrong, in ten years' time it will no longer be. So there you go. A soldier who was shot in the head by a Taliban sniper in Afghanistan, is going to marry his teenage sweetheart. Craig Patterson was trapped on a roof in Helmand province when a bullet tore into his skull. His injuries were so severe he had to learn how to walk again. And now Louise has agreed to be his wife, and they're going to get married. He served with the, uh, the Highlanders. So congratulations to them. I like a good story in the morning. It's always nice to have something happy. So much, so much dreariness out there that we try and sort of cheer ourselves up. The Super Berries coming to the UK. The Hitler Telegram, which sells for £35,000. George Michael's furious. One of his relatives sold a story the other day saying he was involved in crack cocaine. He said nothing could be further from the truth. He seems quite happy, although one of the papers has done a feature on him saying, can we save George Michael? The answer is, of course we can. Goodness sake. Listen, he's big enough and ugly enough. He knows what to do. He's not daft. He's been there and he's bought the T-shirt. The wild storms, which are going to bash Britain. If you're going to Greece, they're running out of money in the banks and they're not changing anything up. The gold vacuum cleaner for £800,000. And Fergie's killer aide is writing her memoir. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. Everybody, nice to have your company. Welcome along. Sorry about that. We're having little glitches all over the place. 13th of July. It's uh, coming up five past six on uh, LBC. Blue is the colour when it comes to cars. Apparently it's your favourite colour in uh, in cars. I've got no idea why. I think green is your least favourite colour, apparently. Whereas I favour grey. I've always liked grey cars. In fact, when I say like grey cars, I've only had two grey cars. And I've had uh, red. I'd never have a red car ever again. Uh, more on the the British tourists in the banks. I'll run through the front pages in a moment. But the Greek banks telling the Brits, we won't change your pounds. And Greece faces running out of money any day after pleading for help. Only to be told by Germany and EU leaders, we no longer trust you. So uh, there you go. In fact, there's a couple here. Alan Seabury, who's on uh, Naxos with his partner, Janet... Uh, Tellers told him they weren't allowed to change any money. We went to Eurobank for euros, but they refused to take the English pounds, says the 63-year-old from Sale in Cheshire. Why do they always put people's ages on these things? Does it make any difference? Does it make any difference how old... You know, you've been 18. Uh, I'm glad to say that the, uh, the disabled cheat that we exposed on LBC a few days ago is in all the papers today. This is a former truck driver. He's too disabled to work. He's not disabled enough to lift up his... Uh, 17 stone mobility scooter. This is Gwynford Jones, who's today's crook, who's been exposed. He says that he can't even walk up three steps, but he can lift a disability scooter. He suffered six heart attacks, a stroke, and has a kidney blockage. Yeah, right, of course you do, darling. As I say, if he'd really had all these things, I think he'd be dead by now. But here he is, lifting up his scooter to his one-bedroom home in Bournemouth, also snapped walking unaided by the Sun newspaper as he visited betting shops. You know why? He gets 1,340 quid a month, which you very kindly provide for this old crook. After being confronted, he said, if the DSS saw this, they'd have my guts for garters. I'd lose everything. Well, I'm hoping you're about to lose absolutely everything. There's a hot air balloon that crashed the other day. I've always wanted to go up in a hot air balloon, but it's uh, stories like this that kind of put me off a little bit. This was uh, the pilot died. This was near Barcelona. 
during the closing ceremony of the uh, 19th European Balloon Festival. They do look lovely when balloons are up, but I, I kind of worry about this huge thing and a little basket suspended underneath and some gas tanks. Doesn't, uh, doesn't do it at all for me. And more on the drug lord on the run. He builds a tunnel out of prison. I suspect the prison guards built it for him because it ran for a mile. It had electric lighting in there and everything. And he walked. He managed to get out. Well, he didn't, but, you know, this is El Chapo. This is uh, Joachim Guzman, who's escaped for a second time from a maximum security. But as I say, most of the guards in these places are bent. And so you just, you just sort of slip them a bit of money or you threaten the family and, uh, and they help you out. It's as simple as that. It's not complicated at all. Uh, Steve. I've just seen a picture of Lizzie Cundy. She's between 62 and 69, possibly older. I know, I think you see her in the flesh, you'd probably say 70-something. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, somebody else seems to like to see my prize leaks. This is after some, some creature, I can only call it a creature because I've got no idea what they're on about, called Tiffy, seems to think that I want to see her medical records. <laughs> We couldn't quite work out what would be the point of seeing somebody's medical records, so I've got no idea who they are. You know, why, why, why would somebody be writing to me saying, why do you want to see my medical records? And then offering them as well. And then, sort of, I don't know where this is coming from. This is the delusions of somebody who's probably on so much medication. And, um, and has now started writing to Christo, which, of course, I don't even think is Christo. I don't think that's, uh, that's Christo's uh, email address. It's certainly not his... Uh, I'm just having a quick check, actually. Might not be. Might not be. They might, might be writing to a fake, but of course they're obviously that stupid. They've got no idea. Uh, rotten FM signal, Steve. Rotten FM signal. And that's from Danny Cohen. Can't go without my daily Steve fix. He said, I'm now happily sitting in the front room listening with my Sky Plus. All this talk of criminal records. Have you forgotten all the in, insane misuse of vinyl that was Hale's horrors? I remember everything. And, uh, and somebody's got a collection of brooches, which sounds quite nice, actually, except uh, we can't except brooches like that anymore, which is a shame, because I quite like that idea. Uh, another one here, which says, uh, uh, as an American with horrid fashion sense, seeing Lewis Hamilton's attire for the Royal Box was horrid. Maybe instructions in crayon next time round. I do, I do worry about, um, I do sort of worry about Lewis Hamilton's dress sense. We've always said that he looks as though he's being dressed by some fashion designer who's having a laugh at his expense. Because I can't seriously think that somebody would really turn up in the royal box, wearing a floral shirt with shoes with no socks on and a hat, which, of course, is verboten, unless it's absolutely unavoidably hot. in the You just have to sit there and swelter. That's the whole idea. And, um, and then, you know, and then he turned... No socks. It's the no socks thing I couldn't quite get over. And they said to him, no, it's shirt and tie. They even sent him a book telling him how to dress. A little bit embarrassing, isn't it? You've got to tell somebody. But, you know, as in most posh events, doesn't matter whether you go to Ascot, if you turn up at Ascot in a pair of cut-down shorts, you're going to get no further than the entrance. They're not going to let you in. They've got a dress code, and you're certainly not going to get to the royal enclosure. And, uh, and if Lewis Hamilton really, in his sad, simple little mind, believes that you can sit there wearing a floral shirt in the royal box, he's even more deluded than I thought he was. He's probably sitting there this morning going, I didn't know. No. And somebody's saying, but you should have read the book. It said, you know, this is the protocol. This is what you wear. Oh, and a floral shirt, dear. I mean, really. A little off-the-shoulder blouse, it looked like to me. Uh, Kevin says, we want to see my school report from St Ignatius College in Enfield. I don't want to see anybody's report. I don't know why somebody would want to send... I can't quite work out why somebody would say, do you want to see my, my disability records? I've, I've really got no idea. Perhaps they're a bit simple. Perhaps there's something the matter with them. I don't know. Very odd. 
Very odd. Anyway, I'm sure it'll it'll come to a head soon. And then they'll have to grovingly apologise, which, of course, will be absolutely hilarious. I love it when people apologise. It always makes me feel so much better about everything. Another one here, very quickly. Let's try and get these. And um, uh, we listen to LBC on FM in Stevenage. Good Lord, in Hertfordshire. Mind you, we get people in America, so Stevenage is not pushing it. But we also get the air traffic in and out of Luton Airport on the same frequency. Oh, how exciting for you. That must make it brilliant. <sighs> As I sort of come into land. Uh, a lot of people talking. Remember the story the other day? And there was, there was much debate on LBC about the, uh, the youngster, the foul-mouthed six-year-old, Alfie Forsyth, the one with the, uh, the mother, who thinks it's quite normal for six-year-olds to, to use uh, appalling language. And um, everybody has said exactly the same. The bloke who stuck soap in his mouth should be given a medal. The mother should have the child taken away because she's quite clearly not fit for purpose. How on earth you can have a six-year-old? And she thinks it's normal. To swear, not only swears, but, I mean, he's just using the most appalling language. What a disgusting child. But, of course, where did they get it from? The parent. And having seen a picture of her, you know, having seen, you know, Ryland's method, this is uh, Ryan Birtwell's imaginative method, I applaud him for teaching little Alfie a lesson for poor behaviour. And uh, somebody says here, Charlotte in London, to think that kids can't even be disciplined without repercussion is a joke in today's society. He may have acted wrongly, but he shouldn't have been fined. Absolutely nothing at all. Absolutely, you know, definitely not. You know, this this uh, little child, this six-year-old. Imagine, six years old, he's a foul-mouthed little brat. You can only imagine, with the help of the ignorant mother, you know, he's going to turn into, well, I think we'll be seeing him in the youth courts. You can imagine if he's kicking away an old man's walking stick and swearing at people at the age of six. I'm assuming that uh, it can't be long before he starts, you know, appearing in court because he's terrorising the neighbourhood. I mean, it's just dreadful, isn't it, really? And she thought it was normal. That was what was so hilarious about the whole thing. The mother was so ignorant that she thought it was normal behaviour, ladies and gentlemen. So all six-year-olds are like that. No, only the people you know. Uh, papers today, front page, you know that it's uh, Wimbledon barring uh, Lewis Hamilton in possibly the campus shirt you've ever seen anybody in turning up to Wimbledon. I don't, perhaps he thought he was going to a nightclub or something. Perhaps he didn't realise that it's the All England Tennis Club. They have dress codes. They expect people to, you know, listen, somebody got told off the other day for wearing a black bra. So, of course, they're going to turn him away for wearing a silly little girly shirt, a silly little hat. No socks. No socks, ladies and gentlemen. The worst thing you can ever do. So, uh, Lou can get knotted. He was turned away. And apparently, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't burst into tears. Also, Justin Bieber has deleted his infamous uh, picture of his bottom, which was taken on board a boat and apparently got retweeted or seen by about, I think, 17, no, 1.7 million people. He's now deleted it. Uh, I've got no idea why. I can't quite work that out at all. Uh, and uh, and Karen Danshuk is to be fired from her job working for her MP husband after they split. Karen, famous for... Po- oh, just dreary old Karen. Let's put it down that way. She's uh, not turned up for work for two weeks and will be sacked for gross misconduct. What a ghastly twosome they appear to be. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. A lot of people writing about Lewis Hamilton and saying, all that money and no class. Well, just ignorance. Just ignorance, really, Mario. Especially when he'd been sent a little book on on what to wear. So we're now assuming that perhaps his reading skills aren't up to much. Because that's the kind of thing, if you've never been and sat in the Royal Box at Wimbledon, um, then, you know, you'd be really excited. He tweeted his picture of the ticket. Not that that means anything to anybody. You'd have thought he, he would have tweeted, you know, here's me looking dumb being turned away. And that's the uh, and that's the, the that's the story that people are running with today. Going, you know, should he have to dress up? Yes, yes. 
A lot of people saying, is it a publicity stunt? Well, if it is, it's the uh, it's the wrong publicity stunt completely. Uh, 84850, steve at And uh, somebody says, with all that dosh, why didn't he nip round the corner and get a jacket? They offered him a tie. They offered him a tie there. In fact, if you go to... There are certain restaurants in London where they do have a dress code and they do keep ties on hand and jackets for people who turn up without one who maybe haven't read the uh, the proper instructions. And so that's why. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And so he didn't even need to nip round the corner. They offered him a tie and he turned it down. You'd have thought he would have been intelligent enough. Perhaps he thought that, you know, I'm Lewis Hamilton. And they went, we don't care who you are. You're not coming in without a tie. And so they didn't. They didn't let him in. And so uh, it's made him look a little bit silly. So he might have got lots of coverage, but unfortunately it's the wrong coverage. And if you get the wrong coverage, that doesn't paint you in a particularly good light. Makes him look a little bit silly. He can't help it. You know, that's it. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, Richard in Uddersfield, he says, I'm a born and bred northerner. I won't do the accent. It makes me sound like an advert for Hovis or something like that. He said, I spent 10 years down in smoke when I was younger. So I've fallen into that category. I'm so sorry. I just at the moment somebody says northern and they say born and bred, you know, salt of the earth and all that kind of stuff. He said, anyway, he said, it must be awful for you southerners with your congestion charges and your car crammed flat and boring roads without a hill in sight. Um... Then your, your, your headless beer and your unaffordable houses. I shall keep my beautiful Yorkshire countryside any time, as well as my proper fish and chips and a, and a nice head on my pint. And I'll keep my 15-minute, 10-mile drive to work and coming home to my easily affordable house. In fact, the best thing the South has done recently was LBC's decision to go national and broadcast your wonderful show. Because we are starved up here of decent radio. He said, and, and as I love your blethering, Steve, LBC serves as a constant reminder that it's reek grand up north. It probably, do you know, the funny thing is, I couldn't disagree with you. I couldn't disagree with you. I can sit there and I can watch programmes on the television about how, how beautiful this country is. And they go and the Country Fire programme goes out and it's lovely and it's beautiful and it's the moors and it's back to nature and it's people being nice to each other and it's, you know, proper fish and chips and people talking to you. And then you come down to London and nobody talks to you. You don't look at somebody too closely. It's filthy and dirty and horrible and people are trying to rip people off. But it's London. It's London. It doesn't get any bigger and better. I appreciate it's grand up north. I appreciate it is. But I love the history of London. I love everything about it. I love the dirt. I love the smells. I love the, the filthy, dirty people that we see around here in the early hours. Of the morning. I love everything about it. I love this studio. I love the microphones. I love the newspapers. I love me oranges. I'm not interested in Tiffy's medical records for some peculiar reason. We don't know why she's offering medical records. Perhaps she's a bit cracked or something. I don't know. Perhaps she goes around offering them to everybody. Would you like to see my disability records? Why? <laughs> why would I be remotely interested? I don't even know who you are. <laughs> Very strange person. And, uh, and so everybody has a, a different place. You know, I'd love to... You know, the Lake District is beautiful. Beautiful. Places abroad are beautiful. You know, you look at this every time we get a, a beautiful series, and it tends to be on the BBC ITV, don't bother with things like this at all. And they'll have somebody like one of the Dimblebys doing a programme looking at, you know, British treasures, and they look at these great houses around the country, and I think, I'm so lucky to live here. I'm so pleased to live here. It's a great place. It's a great place to live. The food's not all that all the time, but we can cope with that. You know, uh, 24 hours a day, I can go out and get something to eat in London. I know it's Reek Grand up north. 
But I'm promising you, it's re- better down south. Because we like it down south. I like all of it, actually. I don't really have a problem with any of it. Given my choice, and I do like looking at, at houses. I love looking at houses in country life. And they had a, a feature on Guernsey last week. And they've got a lovely house there. And it's, um, it's What's-It's-House. Uh, uh, What's-His-Name? Alan Wicker's house has come up for sale for £3.95 million. It's in nine acres. It's secluded. And I thought... That'd be, if you had the three, three million pounds, you'd probably move to Guernsey or Jersey. But then you think, I'm going to miss all my friends. You know, I need to have friends around me. I need to have people around me. That's what, you know, I, I couldn't be doing one of these isolated houses. Lovely though they are. There's an even better one that's got an, in, an indoor swimming pool complex that's only, the whole house is 14 million pounds. But that's nothing. In London, we've got a 400 million pound house. And that's why I like London. It's got everything. You know, there's, every time you drive up, there's a road and you look at it and you think, God, so many houses, so many people live here. We're so overcrowded. We don't want anybody else. We've got far too many people as it is. Way too overcrowded. Way too overcrowded. But all it takes is people being nice to each other. So this week you will be. And the reason being, it's going to rain. And when it rains, you're nice. It's only when it's hot that you get irritable and you stand on the bus and you're sweating a bit. And then you think, somebody's looking at me. Are they looking at me because I'm sweating? I can always feel if I'm sitting on the bus... And the other day, I swear to God, he had the heating on. I could feel this pump. I thought, we are so hot. But I thought, no, don't, don't complain about anything. We're British. We don't say anything. And there was one of those silly women got on with a little dog in a little carrying case, like it was some sort of hamster or something. I've never seen anybody so stupid in my entire life. People that carry dogs, I think, need to be arrested immediately. Uh, 84850, the worst thing, the worst thing, says Rick, putting on Wellington boots without socks. Well, it's not physically possible, is it? Wellington boots without socks. He said, I had to find a neighbour to haul mine off. You only do that once. Yes, we had a Wellington boot remover. Like Wellington boot removers. And um, maybe Lewis Hamilton, says Patrick, <laughs> should try and get into Henley Regatta. If you think Wimbledon have a strict dress code, Henley's even stricter. He'd have no chance of getting in. Well, to be honest with you, what on earth was he doing? He's a racing driver. What was he doing at the tennis? What do you think Lewis Hamilton knows about tennis? Nothing. Well, he certainly doesn't now. He probably doesn't even know who won. Probably wouldn't even know who was playing. That's what makes it so funny, isn't it, really? We always have a good old laugh at poor old Lewis Hamilton. Now we're going to be laughing even more. Basically, uh, the shirt. What an abysmal shirt. It probably cost an arm and a leg, that shirt. Mind you, somebody just looked at my shirt and went, good God, what are you wearing? And I went, listen, this shirt is about seven years old. I'm amazed I've still got the same gorgeous figure to wear. Listen, I've got to go. I've just realised. we do it again tomorrow? Don't forget, if you go to the uh, LBC website, you can download the app, available for iPhones and Android phones. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning at four. I hope I'll have to see somebody's medical records. I'm slightly disturbed by this one. Have a great day. Come